Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yo, this is Rich Ladder here. We are across the street from MSG. NY, baby. New York City, Madison Square Garden. Hey, y'all boy, come on. Come yeah, on. man, Jeremy Donovan here from Keeping It Strong Style and Social Suplex. We're here with one half of the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. And one half of Gorillas of Destiny, but one whole of... Time my motherfucking Tonga, realest of the realest. Hey, ain't nobody realer than Gorilla. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcast, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcast, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy, Josh Smith on today's show, we'll be reviewing Destruction and Beppu and Kagoshima, Super J Cup, and answering your questions, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. This episode of Keeping a Strong Style is brought to you by Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV is an independent wrestling streaming service with over 5,000 hours of wrestling from companies across the world. Use the promo code SOCIALSUPLEX to get your first month free. Also, make sure you check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt, as well as other t-shirts here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. And young boy, man, we got a lot of action to get into this week. Uh, I know a lot of people have been asking for the longer shows. I think they're going to get one of those tonight, uh, especially we got Young Lions Cup matches. They'll get what we give them. <laughs> they will take it, and they will like it. Oh, man. Here's 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 the thing, guys. We, we, we started this show. This is the fifth time I think we've started this show just now. Uh, to you, it's the first time, but uh, something's wrong. So, so, something's not right, because we've never had to restart a show ever. You mean, you're, you're, you're pulling back the curtains. I, I'm... I'm 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 pulling back. We're K- going. We're we're going to the. We're breaking the fourth wall K- right now. Kayfabe is dead. Kayfabe is dead. How you doing, Cole Cabana? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And, and here's the thing. I think it. I'm I'm. I think it's one of two things. Okay. It can only be one of these two things. Either this sound system is too good and it's screwing me up and it's making me like 
it, it's it bothers me. I can hear everything. I don't like hearing everything. I don't like to hear like like in between words when I'm like breathing in. <laughs> like I don't like all that. That's too much. It's like when you're watching like a TV show and it's like on a super HD TV and the people look like they're actually in the room with you. That's freaky. I don't like that. This sounds like me and I don't like me. It's too much me. The other thing, it might just be destruction. Like destruction, like it, bro. Our numbers are down. I'm just gonna say it. our numbers are down because we're covering destruction. Man, you're just throwing everything Listen, out there, bro. When we were covering the G1, we had the highest numbers we ever had in our life. Then all of a sudden, they got freaking Tanahashi and Zack Saber headlining for the eighth time, and our numbers are down. And so this just bothers me. And like. Yes, the uh, the number fuck, fuck destruction. <laughs> <laughs> yes, clearly there has not been a, a lot of interest in the destruction shows compared to the G one. But whoa, we whoa, whoa. I wouldn't say there's not a lot of interest. The numbers are still solid. Yes, the numbers still. I'm saying, but obviously compared to G one climax, uh, I think the overall fan base has kind of you know it's kind of been chilling out during the destruction tour. You know what it is? I miss Mox. Mm. There's no Mox. I miss him. No shooter. Well, well, there's shooter Umino, but no, no Mox lead shooter. I've been, I've been watching uh, shooter out there with his death stare. Yes, just, just cold death stare of shooter. Umino. I wish he would have uh, still keep coming out with his uh, Death Rider jacket. That that would be a real gimmick, sir. I don't think he's allowed to have a real gimmick <laughs> yet. <laughs> oh man! But uh, speaking of shooter Umino, that's gonna lead us into talk about the. Young Lions Cup. So there was a lot of Young Lions Cup matches this week. They were on video on demand. So these Road to Destruction shows did not air live this week. And they only uploaded the Young Lions Cup matches to New Japan World. I was bummed about that. I was trying to see, you know, those six-man tags with, uh, you know, Tenkozi and the Young Lions again for like the, the fourth and fifth time. Trying to see uh, Rocky, uh, Okada, <laughs> and Goto against Shingo, uh, Bushi, and Sonata. I was trying to see that six man with Hama, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I didn't get enough of it for the first <laughs> few nights. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, these matches were uploaded to New Japan World. No commentary, just the two uh, Young Lions matches. That's how I like my Young Lions matches. Yeah. During the Young Lions. Throwback to uh, the Lionsgate Project kind of style of uh, filming these shows. By the way, what happened to Lionsgate Project? Why are they not doing those anymore? I don't know, man. We need to talk to uh, Blue Justice. Get him on the line. I'll just call Harold. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would call Michael, but uh, I don't know if he knows anything anymore. <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't want. I need our podcast getting heat, <laughs> heat with uh, Michael Craven. <laughs> Nobody takes our podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, September 10th, we had Carl Fredericks defeating Yuya Yumura and Shooter Umino defeating Michael Richards. Um, thought both of these matches were uh, all right. Uh, Fredericks, once again, just continues to impress and looks really good. Uh, Umura on a losing streak right now, uh, failing to get any wins right now and. Uh, Carl Fredericks uh, tapped him out with a very deep uh, single leg Boston Crab on Umora, uh six minutes and 15 seconds. I, I do have to say this before we move on. As good as Fredericks looks, and he deserves all the praise in the world because he's that awesome. To me, Yuya Umora is starting to emerge during this tournament as in the same way that we looked at Narita two years ago when he was in this tournament. Like the, the guy that like lost every match but like is freaking killing it in defeat. 
like, you know, there was, there was this time where, like, we, I think we were both way higher on Suji than we were for you, than you more for, for a bit there. Yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm coming around on the Dude, Suji, I mean, we'll get to some of his matches here, but Suji has not really impressed me. All that much in this tournament. Yumura's always been impressive with his wrestling, like, acumen. We've always said that, but, like, man, he's becoming really well-rounded. And I'm like, dang, like, Yumura's kind of that dude right now. Yeah. Uh, that dude. <laughs> yeah, that dude. <laughs> um, so then we had uh, Shota Umino and Michael Richards. Uh, this was a good match. Um, Umino mainly dominated this match over Michael Richards, you know, from the Fale Dojo. Clearly... At the kind of bottom of the picking order among all these young lions, and um, try to put up a good fight here, but uh, Umino puts him away with the fisherman suplex. And you know, I really want to see Umino attempt a uh, Death Rider to get a win. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna do that. Like, I get maybe him not w- using it, but at least like hooking the arms and like attempting it and failing. I'm pretty sure you get beat to death, like for even <laughs> trying to to use that move. I don't know. I, I think it'd be a nice little. Uh, no, nah, his senpai, his senpai would never allow it. What do you mean, John Moxley would allow that? Would he? <laughs> Why not? Because he he can't use the Death Rider. That's John Moxley's move. Well, he can use it in the meantime, or he can do like the uh, the low angle version, not the the elevated version. The dirty deeds. Yeah, he can just he can't use that either. <laughs> He's a young lion. He gets he gets to use a Boston crab, and every now and again he gets a fisherman. That's it. <laughs> Uh, then on September 11th, we had Clark Connors defeating Yota Suji, and then we had Ren Narita defeating Alex Coughlin. Um, so Connors and Suji, man, I'm really loving how um, Clark Connors has been looking at this tournament, man. His chops have been absolutely killer. Brutal. Sounding off, man. Brutal. Um, and Suji's chops have been weak. Yeah, and we said that last week. I I don't want to belabor the point, but it is strange that this guy came off as such a bruiser for so much of you know the the enti- almost the entire calendar year last year, and even early into this year. I mean, Suji was looking great, and like um, something seems to be kind of missing there. Something has kind of shifted with Suji. I don't know what it is. I don't want to say he's not progressing because. He actually looks not as good as he did before. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what do you think it is? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I don't. Maybe they're purposely kind of aging the match for him to look kind of weaker compared to the LA Young Lions based on the story they have going on. Or I don't know. Man. Maybe he's just having off tournament. I I don't know. Yeah, I I'm not really sure what it is, but I mean. There's so many times we've seen Suji like perform at at a high level, and he doesn't seem to be, you know, matching. And the thing is here too, like, you know, let's not get it twisted. These are not epic wars, like super long matches. They're six to eight minute matches. Right. Yeah. This match was uh, seven minutes and twenty seconds. He's not showing the goods the way he normally does. Just in a standard, you know, single six to eight minute match. And um, I'm kind of surprised by that, to be honest with you. I I really am. Um. I mean, Suji's one of my favorite guys. Like, he, he's definitely, like, the best, like, bruiser and brawler out of all those guys. But he's not showing it in this tournament. I don't know what the deal is. Yeah. But uh, Connor's looking really great in yeah. uh, having that background. He trained with Lance Storm at the Storm Wrestling Academy. And Shibata's just polished him up even more. I don't know. I, I kind of get a little bit of uh, Crispin, Crispin Wall vibes from him. Yeah, I can see that. 
just from the, the build and the way he chops and the way he kind of moves. Um, so, yeah, really, really digging Clark Connors. And then uh, Ren Narita picking up uh, the win here on uh, Alex Coughlin with his, uh, his suplex. And uh, on commentary, I guess um, they've been mentioning, they mentioned today on Kagoshima that he's been coming up with all these different uh, Narita specials. So I guess Narita special one is the leg lace into the cross-legged Boston Crab. And I think Narita special two is this belly-to-belly suplex here that he uh, uses and he pinned Coughlin. The overhead? Yeah. Yeah. Um, What do you think that is? Do you think that's Nagata influence? Yeah. Is is Nagata his? So I know Suji's with Tanahashi. Well, I'm just I'm just saying because like the Nagata lock one, the yeah. Nagata lock two, Nagata lock three, yeah, right, yeah, lock four, yeah, it could be. Hmm. But I kind of I kind of like that. I'm gonna start implementing that into my life as well, like the Joshua special one. <laughs> um, you know, just di- but these will be real menial things in my life, like not actual wrestling related, like just trademark things that I do. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Like uh, play the guitar, Joshua special one. No, something more menial than that. Like I don't know. Like after I like get done with the lunch, like the way I like toss my stuff into like the garbage, like I'll do it in a very distinct way and be like Joshua special one, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. I haven't thought it out yet. Yeah, but I I really like this matchup, man. Narita has been looking really great in this tournament and uh, just completely fired up here and. Uh, yeah, man, that's, I don't know what else to say about it, but we've, we've been on the Narita bandwagon for a while now and just once again proving why he's one of the top in the class right now. Yeah, I mean, Narita not only is fantastic, which we have always alluded to, I, I still think he is, in my opinion, the most complete performer out of all these guys, but um, doing extremely well in the tournament, you know, right at the, right at the, sitting at the top of the, you know, the, the win bracket here, so... He's got a good chance to still take the victory when it comes to the Young Lions Cup. And um, I don't think he will, but I would love it if he did. Yeah. Yeah, that I would, dude, I would pop huge if uh, Narita gets a win. I might get emotional. <laughs> so we move on to uh, September 12th. Uh, Narita in action again. This time Narita is taking on Yota Suji. Um, and this was a very uh, good back-and-forth competitive match here. Went about eight minutes between these two guys here. Uh, Narita hits once again the Narita special suplex on the big man. Yep. And uh, so that's those are my thoughts. Yep. <laughs> then we had a battle of the LA Dojo Young Lions with Carl Fredericks and Alex Coughlin, and uh, both of these guys looked great in this. And this was a great match. I'm loving the LA Dojo Young Lions going up against each other here. And uh, you know, Carl has kind of been the, the one that's been kind of getting all the attention. But um, Connors and Alex Coughlin are are getting are pretty much just on the same level as him as well. I mean, Carl Fredericks might have a, a better look. Might be when it comes l- to performing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think all three of those guys are studs, and uh, Coughlin looked really good in this match. You know, this is kind of our first look at Coughlin in this tournament. Um, we we've seen Fredericks and uh, Connors on the G one, and so it's been good getting a look at Connors, seeing what he's made of, and. Had a really good match here with um, Carl Fredericks, but ends up falling to the uh, single leg crab. Then we have uh, Shota Umino against Yuya Yumura. Uh, once again, Yumura takes the loss, and he's just not racking up any wins in this tournament, which is a little surprising. 
that uh, Umoro would be kind of the one that's going down. You know, I think I mentioned last week, you know, I would have, you know, Michael Richards kind of being the one um, at the bottom of the bracket. Well, they're both at the bottom of the bracket. Yeah. And, I mean, so is Suji as well. I actually think, I don't know if you remember, the first time we previewed this, I think we'd mentioned that Suji as well as Umoro, we thought that they'd be pretty low yeah. on the totem pole, just given, you know, that they're the most junior of all the young Lions, aside from the... Uh, you know the, the the lines from overseas, or you know from the the uh, the international dojos, but it does seem like they're pushing the LA dojo young lines to a degree, and so that you know they've kind of bracketed them on the same even playing level as Michael Richards, which makes sense to me. Yeah. So Umino picks up the win there with the Fisherman Suplex, and we had Clark Connors against uh, Michael Richards. Um, this was fine. Uh, again, I really have not been. Um, you know, really digging Michael Richards in this tournament. Um, like we mentioned last week, Claire, um, skill gap between him and the rest of the guys in this tournament. Uh, but, I mean, that's just the experience level he's at. Um, and, you know, he's doing fine for the time he has in there. But clearly he's, you know, nowhere near the other guys. Mm. Well, now, with that being said, we're basically looking at Yu Yamura's at two points. Michael Richards is at two points. Yotasuji's at two points. Alex Coughlin has four points. Clark Connors has six points. Um, everybody is almost effectively eliminated. I believe Clark Connors has a very, very outside chance, but it's highly unlikely with only four points remaining um, for him to be able to obtain. Even if he won his last two, two matches, I think uh, it's an outside chance that he can even win. Um Renderita sitting at eight points, tied with Carl Fredericks and Shota Umino. Uh, but with that being the case, it looks like, did Narita lose to Fredericks and Umino? Um, no, Narita beat Fredericks. Okay, and he lost to Umino. Yeah. Okay, so they're, they're basically at a three-way tie right now with Narita, Fredericks, and Umino. And um, Clark Connors does have an outside chance, but I mean... Things would have to go like perfect for him and you know for the rest of it. So those are like the only four guys that are still alive. To me, it looks like exactly what we predicted. Like Shoto Mino and Carl Fredericks, who are the two favorites going into this, are the two like guys remaining alive, like at the very end here. Yeah. So and, and they haven't wrestled yet. They're on they're wrestling on the final night, is that correct? Yep. On uh destruction in Kobe. So I, I think that's obviously the the very obvious, you know, final there. Yeah. So uh, then we move on to the first big destruction show of the weekend from Sunday. We have destruction in Beppu, and we opened up with more Young Lions Cup matches. We had Carl Fredericks uh, defeating Yota Suji, locking in that uh, half crab. He seems to be doing a little combo where he hits the, the spine buster into that uh, single leg crab, locks it in deep, and gets the win here. I thought it was a really good opener that um, put Fredericks up on top of the leaderboard. Mm. Yeah, I thought this was good. Then we also had Shota Umino versus Alex Coughlin, and I really enjoyed this match. These guys were uh, at a good pace, and um, it's really good back-and-forth action here. Coughlin had an awesome uh, gut-wrench suplex in the match, and um, we already know how Umino does, and had showed great fire. Both guys showed great fire in this match, and uh, Umino hitting the fisherman suplex to get the win there and get to eight points. 
Then we move on to some more undercard action. We had Ren Narita, Yuyamura, Taguchi, and Yuji Nagata uh, taking on Michael Richards, Clark Connors, Tohanare, and Nakanishi. And we have Yuji Nagata's team getting the win. And I believe it was, yeah, Taguchi had the ankle lock in on Richards to pick up the win for the team there. Then we move on to uh, Sho, Yo, and Jushin Liger taking on Minoru Suzuki, Kanemaru, and Doki. And the biggest thing here is just the continuation of heating up Suzuki and Liger. Uh, we had Doki getting pinned here by Rapunky 3K after eating a 3K. But the most notable thing here is what happened after the match. Suzuki attacks uh, Liger and tries to unmask Liger. Um, and then the Young Lions try to make a save. But he destroys the Young Lions and uh, Liger gets on the mic and says, Tell Suzuki, let's fight right now. But uh, Suzuki just kind of laughs and walks off to the back. And they're doing an excellent job of building this up. And I'm ready for it to happen. Yeah, I'm sitting here, you know, watching this, just thinking to myself, is this the feud of the year? With no matches except for some multi-man matches. And even those multi-man matches, even though there there have been heat segments, you know, uh, as far as like post-match nagins and, you know, pre-match nagins, like, nothing really, really notable that you can, like, point your finger to, but, like, when was the last time, like, a match, like, was purposely built with this much anticipation, like, long-term in, in, you know, in New Japan or maybe any company? I mean, just think about that. Like, I don't know, Rock rock and Cena, you know? Yeah, they, they held off for a year, but, I mean, they didn't really build it, though. It was like they announced the match was going to happen and then Cena just feuded with random people until it was WrestleMania season. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the, like, most purposely, like, you know, uh, booked and built, like, feuds of the year. That's why, like, when people keep, like, you know, proposing Liger that has other opponents for his final final match, I'm like, no, it, it can't be anybody but Suzuki. Look at what they're doing here. Yeah. And um, I, I want to see this match so, so badly. So badly. And uh, missed a question here. We had a question from Sir Sam um, asking, where does Aussie powerhouse and Bullet Club mouthpiece Gino Gambino rank in the commentary hierarchy? Behind Rocky, but above Jim Ross. So we had uh, Gino Gambino on tour here for commentary. What have you been thinking about Gino Gambino? Uh, You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually think Gino Gambino does a fantastic job. Bro, I I love him on commentary. Um, I do... You know, it's funny, um, his voice, I don't know why, like, his projection, it's not what you would call, in my opinion, a like a classic uh, broadcasting voice. I know um, he does, you know, obviously he's got an Aussie accent, which is, you know, and, and I think to many people, like, um, what's the word? People find that appealing, you know what I mean? So that he has that going for him. But, um, you know, he I don't think, like, his voice really carries the way that maybe some other, like, classic uh, commentators do. But with that being said, he's super insightful. His timing is great. His humor is really good. He seems to know quite a bit about the product. He doesn't come off as, like, a knave or a noob, somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, there are times where it seems like Kevin Kelly has to kind of wrangle him in just a bit. Um, I would even say that it's a, a little bit... Uh, apparent that he's somewhat inexperienced. Like, there's just a couple small things I notice he does that, like, some more seasoned um, broadcasters don't do. 
but they're so minuscule. They're so like, you know, you'd really have to be paying attention to it. Overall, I think he's one of the best guys that they've got on commentary in New Japan. And, um, you know, those, those small little, like, insignificant things I mentioned aside, like, I think he's, I think he's great. Yeah, he, he's been cracking me up. Uh, just, I think, just the way he inflects on certain words and yeah. just the chemistry that him and uh, Kevin Kelly have have been great. And so, yeah, I'm definitely down for uh, more Gino Gambino. What do you feel about um, when he's calling, like, the Bullet Club stuff? Do you think... Um do you think like him kind of switching into that character in the middle of it like suits him? Because I actually kind of I think it's kind of funny, but I also think it it sometimes comes feeling like off base. Like maybe he's not actually part of the Bullet Club or something. Like no, I think I like it. it kind of reminds me of Don Callis, you know, when Kenny would be out there, or you know, somebody that he, or in, you know, an impact where you missed my joke when uh, Tessa was out. Are you trying to say he's not part of the Bullet Club? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gino Gambino, sir, is a proud member like he, of the he, Bull Club. He keeps trying to cop for them, and it just feels like, I don't know, like maybe he's not actually part of those guys. Like he's just, he's not, re- it's a gimmick, and he's not really <laughs> living that gimmick. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Well, speaking of Bullet Club, they were in the following match. We had uh, ELP, Ishimori, Yujiro, Kenta, and Bad Luck Fale defeating the team of Robbie Eagles, Will Ospreay, Hanma Makabe, and Ibushi. And I believe it was this match that um, Gino Gambino got involved and uh, held somebody to get chopped uh, during the middle of the match here. Uh, and we just had Bullet Club kind of picking up momentum. Yeah, he's ride or die for them. <laughs> <laughs> going into uh, Kagoshima. Then we had their uh, LIJ uh, six-man here with Sonata, Bushi, and Shingo taking on Okada, Goto, and Rocky Romero. With Sonata picking up the win with the team, hitting the skull end. Really good match there. Uh, once again, hyping up King of Pro Wrestling with uh, Sonata and Okada. And then hyping up Kobe with Shingo and Goto. And also, you know, continuing one of the greatest feuds in all of New Japan, Rocky Romero and uh, Bushi. Yeah. <laughs> the hate is real, sir. Yes. Uh, then we had Naito and Evil taking on Jay White and Chase Owens. Uh we got a Destino for the win here on Chase Owens and um, Naito and JY continue to kind of play mind games with each other and posing at each other and winking at each other, smiling at each other. I'm waiting for one of these guys to ask each other out on a date. Yeah, this isn't, I don't know, is this doing anything for you? Uh, not really. Bro, it's not doing anything for me. And like, and I, I'm a big Naito fan. I'm a big Jay White fan. And this feels like one of the flattest, like, builds for either of these guys for a match in a really long time. Like, I don't have any – I. it's weird. Like, bro, all last year, remember how many times we talked about how protected this match was? And, you know, we could see this being, like, a potential dome match or a G1 final. And then they gave it away to us in the B-Block final. And since then, like, I don't even really want to see it again. And this build – you know, of of all the build of all the things that they're building on this destruction tour, this is the weirdest thing. And uh, I don't know. Do you think like the fanboys, like like the Lij fanboys, or like you know the Switchblade fans, are like really into this sort of thing? I mean, I haven't seen what what other people are saying. I mean, a lot of people have been kind of making the same jokes as me. Like, there's like some sexual tension between these guys, and like <laughs> you know, there's there's a huge like, audience of the fan base, especially, like, the women that probably, like, love that sort of thing. Yeah, there's somebody right now on some dark corner of Reddit, like, writing a fan fiction of, like, what happened (laughs) (laughs) with uh, Naito and Jay White. 
But yeah, man, I really yeah, haven't fantasy booking one on one. Yeah, the I, new golden lovers. <laughs> yeah, I, I really haven't been feeling uh, the build to this matchup here. Honestly, I think there's Lij. Just fan, no heat, man. Yeah, I think Lij fans are just worried that Jay White's winning next week. Bro, I could see that happening. <laughs> I can really see that happening. Like, yeah. pretty hard. I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, now we move on to the semi-main event of this show. We had the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Title Match: The Champions, the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga and Tangaloa, defending against the Chaos Challengers of Yoshihashi and Tomohiro Ishii. They've done a great job in the kind of the build-up of this match and telling the story of Yoshihashi. Uh, never winning a title in his pro wrestling career. That's right, he shouldn't. <laughs> they also highlighted, um, you know, the previous time that Yoshihashi and Tomohiro Ishii had challenged Girls of Destiny, and it was Yoshihashi who ate the pin in that matchup there. And That's right, he should. <laughs> and failed to win there. So, I got to say, man, I really enjoyed this tag team match here. Um, Yeah, I was watching it, and throughout the entire match, I was just like, wow, this is... um. Is this one of the best tag team matches I've seen in New Japan all year? I know, like in a post, um, you know, in a post Young Bucks, post uh, Golden Lovers tag team division, you know, the world we live in today, the the, the bar is not quite as high. But like, dude, I thought that this was one of the best tag, like as far as the heavyweight tag d- division, and and actually probably both divisions. Honestly, mm-hmm. this was one of the best tag team matches of the entire year. Yeah, and we've mentioned it, I think we mentioned it last week and maybe a couple podcasts ago, but Girls of Destiny, they have been on fire this year. They've been having a really great year all over the board in Ring of Honor, in, on indie dates and Dest- in Defy and here in New Japan, um, you know, being Ring of Honor tag champs, IWGP tag champs. These guys have just kicked it up a gear, you know. Tamatonga said he was, um, you know, not being in the G1 to focus on tag team wrestling and I think that there's some, you know, definitely some truth to that because these guys have just been on another level this year. I definitely think that was smart of him, too. That's a way to get out of having to eat, like, six <laughs> or seven pinfalls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's interesting, man. In a match where you have Tomohiro Ishii, one of the best big match performers, all-around performers of his generation, and frankly, any generation, and then you you put him in there with Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and Yoshihashi, uh, it's pretty extraordinary that like my real talking points have nothing to do hardly with Tomohiro Ishii, <laughs> and they completely revolve around God and completely revolve around Yoshihashi. Um, everybody, everybody was great in this match, including Ishii. But like, man, the um, the heat segment from God on Ishii was really compelling. Like, it was so unexpected. Like, you you don't expect like uh, Yoshihashi to be the hot tag guy. And um, not only that, but God, man, they they're just they're becoming like they're gelling so well and like doing a lot of really flashy, innovative offense. You know, as much as we've like come down on, um, you know, Tamatonga as a singles competitor, he always impresses me as a tag team guy. Yeah, he yeah he thrives in the tag uh, kind of scene, and him and his brother have just been gelling so much. Uh, Better since they first started teaming in New Japan. Yeah, uh, there was one spot in this match where I was about to lose my mind, where uh, the 
uh, Yoshihashi gets the uh, that horrible butterfly lock in on uh, Tamatanga. Oh yeah, and it, it it was like set up to look like Tamo was gonna tap, and I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> this can't be. But luckily, uh, Tangaloa came in, made the save there. Then um, they kind of can keep going to the match. Um, Jado kind of gets involved there. We have Jado nailing Yoshihashi with the kendo stick. Um, kind of going back and forth some more until we have uh, Kenta arriving with his uh, fresh uh, die job. Arrives, he distracts Yoshihashi, and then Tamatanga cradles him up with the tights for the win here. Yeah, and um, yeah, Yoshihashi definitely, he took the pinfall here, but you know what? I thought that he had a, an excellent match. I mean, the the entire story about him never having won a, uh, any championship of any sort in New Japan, like, really added a lot of, like, um, I don't know what the word is. Man, why am I so tired tonight? Um, there was so just... Add layers to it, maybe? Not layers, but there was, like, a sense of urgency. Mm. There was, like, a sense of urgency. Like, he was, like, they could definitely do this sort of thing, you know? Um but yeah. the idea that, like, even though him and Ishii have tagged together, like, they're, they're relative inexperience, you know, going up against this, you know, five-time world tag team championship, these guys that are brothers, these guys that exclusively do this, it's like, how do you overcome that sort of combination? And, um, yeah, I mean, they did a fantastic job, like, keeping these guys separated the entire match. And, then, yeah. and uh, yeah, G.O.D. was, like, throwing everything at them. They yeah. hit the Magic Killer, Tong, and Twist. Pretty much any, like, combo move they've used as finishes in the past, they were, like, busting out here in this match. Yeah, and there was even a, a moment at the end where, like, where it, was, it just came down to uh, Tamatanga and Yoshihashi, and it felt like Yoshihashi was about to pick up this win, and I was like, oh, my. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that butterfly lock, even though I hate the butterfly lock, that was one big moment, and then, you know, he, he was hitting everything. He's hitting, you know, lariats. Super kicks. Yeah, that that Western Lariat. Yeah, bro. And even though I don't like Yoshiashi, he's got the best Western Lariat. Like, he just does. Like, it, it's incredible. Uh, he hit a uh, running Meteora at one point, and, you know, the Kamigoroshi. Like, yeah, he, he, and then, and then he got rolled up like a fucking geek. Yes. Because that's what he is. Yes. And every, every, like, literally every cool thing that he did in that match became not cool immediately. And G.O.D., you know, reigns supreme. Yeah, and this was a really good match. And honestly, that, that finish kind of killed it. It like, did. That, that, that finish brought it down. Yeah, it definitely brought it down. I'm probably like 3.75 on it. I, w- uh, I was close to that, but I'm like almost 3.5 because of the finish. But I could probably go 3. Yeah, I would have probably gone 4 if they had a clean finish. Probably. The match was good, man. Yeah. Like, it was really good. Like, I get, you know, Bull Club's going to cheat, but at least, like, set it up into the finisher, like, Maybe have him hit the gun stun after the distraction or something like that. I almost every time though that um, God continues to beat guys, I just keep wondering like, well, who's next? Because it doesn't feel ever like there is anybody that's next. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you can keep feeding guys to them, but they need to establish somebody. They just do like, you know, <sighs> remember like the time like we used to complain about like. Uh, how often we'd see them against like War Machine, Machine and, and uh, KES, yeah, KES and Evil Sonata, and, yeah. Like w- you almost wish for those days, like they had a division at least somewhat. And now it's like who's in who's in the tag division? Tenkozy, <laughs> barely. barely. Uh, I don't yeah. even know who's gonna be in this World Tag League. Yeah, I do. It's gonna be all the same guys. 
better in it every year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, really good tag match here. Uh, wish I had a better finish, but good stuff from uh, these guys. The only thing that's, that I will say is it plays into obviously what happened at Royal Quest with uh, Kenta and G.O.D. helping him win the Never Open Way title. So he, he repaid the favor. So there there are good storytelling elements there, and it does play into the you know the next uh, evening. So uh, even though in a vacuum it kind of brought the um, star quality of that individual match down from a storytelling element, it did make sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the whole story they've been telling since Kenta joined the Bullet Club was him kind of linking up with God. So been carrying that story out throughout Royal Quest, and now here and um, on to Kagoshima as well. So then we have the main event of the evening for the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship as the champion Hiroshi Tanahashi defends against the challenger Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, these guys have been wrestling each other several times this year. Um, right now, in the, going into this match, Tanahashi was leading the series 4-3 uh, out of the seven matches they've had all together. I believe this was their fourth match this year. Um, so just one of these matches that New Japan's has been killing this year. So they had the MSG match. They had the uh, New Japan Cup match. And the G1 match. And Or no. Yeah, they had a G1 match. So they had an MSG match. This is their fifth match this yeah. year. Fifth. Wow. Because think about it. They had a New Japan Cup match. Mm-hmm. And then you said they had a G1 match. Yeah. And they wrestled in England. And they wrestled in Madison Square Garden, which we were there. That's four. This is the fifth, fifth match, match this year. Wow. Holy crap. <laughs> and they'd only had three matches prior to that. Wow. Dang. Yeah. Dang, bro. <laughs> Dang. So, yeah. Killing it. This match. Killing it to death. Kill, kill, killing it in what way? Killing it in, like, they're having great matches, so they're killing it? Or killing it like they're overdoing it? Because I, I... You know what? I, I'll just say it. I'm, in the, I'm on the total opposite side. I think that I've loved this series. I've I've loved their matches. I love this series, but it's just like I kind of wish there was some time to breathe between Royal Quest and this one. That's true. That is something they don't usually do a lot of. Like, yes, they do a lot of uh, rematches throughout a calendar year in New mm-hmm. Japan, but not usually tour like on back to back tours like this. Um, why do you think that is? Do you think it has anything to do with what's going on with Tanahashi and his health? Could that be part of it? I, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's just one of those things where, like, we talked about last week, they wanted to do the surprise title win in England and then, you know, change some things up for the next tour. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Well, we go into this. This is their uh, eighth match ever. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and it was a really great match. I You know, as much as people complain how, how much it happened in, in me complaining about the quickness of it, this was a great match. Honestly, I think this was one of their best matches that they've had together. Um, telling like, it's a great story. Actually, they've been kind of telling the same story in a lot of their matches, just with um, Tanahashi wanting to out-wrestle Zack Sabre. And I feel like they emphasize it more and more and more the more they wrestle. And clearly in this match, uh, Tanahashi was um, you know trying to out-wrestle Sabre. And I feel like his goal in this match, he wanted to submit Zack Sabre Jr. Um, and I think it was kind of that, you know, kind of going away from the normal game plan and wanting to go for submission win is what kind of um, got Tanahashi in trouble here. 
Yeah, and you know what? I, I it, Now that you say that, it's funny because I actually had almost sort of a different take. My, my take on it was originally I was going to say that stylistically the matches are, are similar, but from a story standpoint, they're all very different. They're wrestled different, mm-hmm. you know, different style, uh, same style, but different stories, you know? Yeah. But once you started mentioning, I think you're right, the broad overarching story is the idea that Tanahashi is trying to out wrestle Saber. Although, if you think about it, though, Tanahashi had to resort to the big impact moves and his finishers to win the title, you know, back in England. Right. Um, so y- you might have something there for sure. Um, I thought that I thought this match was great. Um, I rewatched it today because after after I watched it, I thought it was really good, but I, I didn't feel like I was giving it full attention. So I kind of re. I listened to some reviews. I listened to some opinions, and I heard a, quite a few negative things about it. And so once I rewatched it, um, I was still pretty high on it. I do think that Zach did stall quite a bit in the early goings, and I mm-hmm. could see how that might have uh, detracted from some people's enjoyment, especially if you're not a big fan of this style of wrestling because it's not everybody's cup of tea. But um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I think Tanahashi and Zack Sabre are so good at, taking this style and making it so interesting, so entertaining. Everything they do is crisp. Everything they do has meaning and, you know, builds upon one another. Like, they're they're just good wrestlers. Right, yeah. They have great chemistry. Their matches are laid together really well. Um, always have an excellent pace in all their matches. Great layout. Um, like I mentioned, it's, it's again, great chemistry. They're able to call back, you know, one of the benefits of wrestling each other so many times this year, they're able to call back to spots in the previous matches, get some near falls, near submissions off of stuff like that. Um, And, you know, the one key spot in this match where I kind of picked up, I felt like Tanahashi was kind of abandoning the game plan was um, towards the end where he hits the, um, the sling blade. He goes up to the hot, the top of the high fly flow. He gets it to the back Mm. and normally he would go up to the top and try and hit it. Again. Again. But instead, he goes for the modified Cloverleaf yep. and, and tries to get the submission win um, instead of trying to hit that high-fly flow and getting the win. I thought about that, too. I thought it was interesting that he didn't go to the top. But I just thought it was one of those stupid things like when somebody hits a finisher and then they pin the guy next to the rope. And I'm like, you know, come on, bro. You know <laughs> you know that guy's foot's going to go on the ropes. Right. Like, I, 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 just, that's, I just chalked it up to that. But you're right. There is a story element there. Like, he should have gone for another impact move. But instead, he did go first submission and um i don't know maybe it was just like his own hubris like he was trying to put that feather in his cap being able to say like i've submitted this you know wrestling you know submission master and like obviously he didn't (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, uh, saber was able to fight out of that boston crab which led to the kind of closing stretch there uh tanahashi going for a straight jacket german um Saber gets up, counters out into a cradle. They keep trading counters into a pin attempt until Saber finally gets uh, a banana split cradle uh, to get the win there. Yeah, and the interesting there, and it was real notable, was um, you know all throughout the year Tanahashi has kind of been um, hearkening back to a lot of like Fujinami's uh, you know maneuvers to kind of win. Especially we saw it during the New Japan Cup and and you know different things like that, and then. Um, at the end of this match, he started trying to. They were trying to both put on the, uh, the, uh, what's it called, the Cobra Twist, which you know that's essentially um, 
Antonio Noki's finishing hold. And so I think that, like, the idea that Sabre has talked about how, like, Saberism is, like, the top thing and, you know, he is the the guy that actually represents what strong style really is. Yeah. And, you know, strong style is dead and now, now it's Saberism. And then um, Tanahashi being the savior of New Japan and being that representative, uh, I think it was almost like a poetic thing that he was trying to put the Cobra twist on him. And I and it, it does harken to the story that you were also mentioning of him wanting to win by submission, and then at the end of it, like Saber's like, screw this, I'm not trying to go for a Cobra twist. He's like, eat this cradle, eat this, uh, you know, banana split, one, two, three, and he was just so giddy. He's like the happiest little kid ever <laughs> that he, he regained his British heavyweight title. Um, and I don't know, man, I I I get it. I know everyone was calling for him to win it. It makes sense. I'm not salty about it. I just wonder, like, why did you put the belt on Tanahashi in the first place? It, it seems like kind of like, actually, I got a problem with Gato. This is some WWE bullshit right here. <laughs> this is some WWE 50-50 booking. Not only is it 50-50, but think about this. This man, Sabre, lost in his hometown and then turns around and beats uh, freaking um, Tanahashi. Tanahashi in Japan. That's some WWE <laughs> shit right there. That's not cool, Gato. Oh, man. Not feeling that. Then we had the uh, Sabre post-match promo. Says he's planning on being the next prime minister. And he also says that he wants to be the Triple Crown champion. He wants to go into Wrestle Kingdom and win the IC and IWGP title. Be the first ever British IWGP champion. So he's going to throw the IC title um, into the river. And yep. so, so yeah, so now we got a new name throwing his name in the hat for this uh, title match. What do you think about all these guys that like keep keep being like the Isis title's worthless? Let's throw it away. I don't know. Maybe it's signs in that they're, maybe they're going to unify it, or I don't know. I, I think I think uh, they need to start scripting these guys out a bit more. <laughs> they need to get some agents. They need to get some agents. They need to get some scripting because these guys are out here wilding. Yeah. But, so, yeah, I thought this match was good. I thought it was good. Yeah, I won uh, four and a half stars on this. Uh, I think I'm like, I think I was four and a half. I think I'm probably after rewatching it, maybe like four and a quarter, but still really, really great match. Uh, we had a question here from Reddit user Zach Saber Time. He says, "Where would you rate that awesome Saber Tanahashi match?" And he says, um, "I think it's easily their second best in their rivalry." Um, I agree with you, Zack Sabre, Tom. I definitely think this is one of their better matches. It To me, it it's kind of leans on being probably one of the better ones, one of the best of the series. What do you think, young boy? Um, I don't know if I could totally agree with that. I mean, obviously, given the, the rating, I just gave it like four and a quarter. There were some things that I kind of felt about it. I, I did think it was a bit slow in the beginning, and I thought that there was a lot of stalling. And some of their other matches have had more of a surprise element and almost felt more important. This, even though the action was good, it felt like you mentioned, there was not enough time for me to really get super excited about this. Cause we're coming right off the, the back of the, the match in England. And even when that match was announced, it was like, really again, it feels yeah. a little soon. Yeah. So it's like the fifth, it's hard for me to, no matter how good the match was, it's hard for me to feel like this was really one of their best matches when it's the fifth time we saw it this year. And I'm not usually one to complain about giving us... I mean, it's double-edged. On the one hand, you don't want to complain too much because they're they're giving us a, an incredible main event time after time after time. But then, you know, sometimes too much of a good thing is too much of a good thing. And yeah. so 
Um, I wish there was a little bit more breathing room um, with this. So I, I, I don't think I would say that personally, but I thought it was still a fantastic match. Yep. Uh, next question from Dan Coffin from the Wrestling Squared Circle. Is how do you feel about Tanahashi losing the British Championship back to ZSJ so quickly? I think we kind of touched on that, but yeah, I, not a huge fan of this uh, this booking. I wish that they would have at least given Tanahashi one successful tile defense and maybe push this match off. Maybe do at King of Pro Wrestling, or I think what happened is um, Gato and uh, Tanahashi they caught wind of the business practices of Rev Pro. And the way they handle everything with their wrestlers and their referees, and they're like, we don't want to sell your hands with that. Let's get the belt <laughs> off Tanahashi. <laughs> we, we don't. We don't want to be associated with that. No. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was strange. You know. Um, I mean, I'm sure. I, I'm sure at the end of the day, Red Pro is happy to have Tanahashi as one of their in the lineage of their championship. But uh, I just don't know really what the point was. I guess just. Giving Tanahashi that big win in England. Yeah, I think it was just a moment. It's a moment. Like, yeah, surprise they, they tile shame. They did it for a moment. Yeah. Which was great, but long term, I guess it doesn't really mean much. Right, especially to interrupt Sabre's uh, super long title reign. I mean, I don't know. They used to do that. Here's the funny thing. They used to do that with Ric Flair all the time. Like, if you really, like, do the math, Ric Flair was NWA champion for, like, almost 10 years with, like, he lost it like seven or eight times in that 10 years. But if you really like do the math, I think he wasn't champion for like six months of the entire time. Mm. You know, like it was not very long. <laughs> like no one held that bell very long. So um, I, I, it's, it's not a big deal. Then we had a question from Muzza. Do you think we will see a rematch between Tana and ZSJ happening most likely at Rev Pro? Hopefully, if they do, it'll be, like, in a couple years. <laughs> yeah, these, <laughs> these guys do not need to wrestle each other again this year. If they're gonna hap- if it's going to happen anytime soon, it needs to be, like, further on next year. Honestly, I wouldn't have them wrestle again until G1 next year, if they're going to be in the same block. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. But who thanks, knows? Thanks for the memory. Yeah, we, we, like, I'm... I'm ready for them to move on and wrestle other people. <laughs> it's not me, it's you. <laughs> Let's wrestle other people. Yes. But uh, all right, that wraps up Beppu. Now we're going to move on to Kagoshima, where we had some more uh, Young Lions Cup action here. Uh, open things up here. Get my notes up real quick. Uh, here we go. Kagoshima opened up with uh, Mora and Clark Connors. Going at it 9 minutes and 25 seconds with uh, Yumora finally picking up a big win here. And I freaking loved this match. This is one of my favorite matches of the tournament right next to Umina and, and Narita. These guys had or fired up intensity. Yumora um, was equaling the fire with Connors with the chops. And these guys just went out here, worked, worked a pretty fast pace, stiff strikes. Obviously, you know, Umora was the underdog, not having any wins at all. Clark Connors, um, you know, LA Dojo, they've been kind of pushing him throughout this tournament, and he's been looking great. And Umora um, came from behind and got the uh, big win with that over um, double overhook belly to belly suplex. And I just love the fire that these guys had in this match. It was a really good matchup. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. 
Uh, I think you did a fantastic job kind of like surmising what happened here. I was actually almost ready for um, Umora to maybe not even pick up a win till the end of the tournament, honestly, at this point. But, um, you know, they they have their booking. Gato has his methods. He needed to, you know, kind of balance some stuff out here. So it kind of makes sense why he had him go over Clark Connors. Um, but, yeah, really enjoyable match. And, I mean, again, these young line matches, they've just been freaking awesome. Yeah. They, they're just awesome. And uh, I made a mistake there. He didn't. He didn't win off the belly to belly. He eventually got him in the Boston Crab there and uh, dragged him in the middle and got submission win there. But yeah, great stuff from Umora and Connors. And then we move on to Ren Narita uh, taking on Michael Richards. Uh, Narita getting the win here with the Narita special suplex. Uh, once again, Narita getting a suplex on the big on a bigger person than him. And not only that, but like he pretty much dominated the match. Like. This is the closest thing I think we've seen in this tournament to a squash. Mm, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, Richards didn't get much in. It was pretty much um, a highlight for Narita. He got eaten alive, boys and girls. <laughs> yep, so another good matchup there. So then we move on to the un- rest of the undercard. We had Nagata, Taguchi, and Umino versus, and Yotosuji versus Nakanishi, Tohanare, Carl Fredericks, and Alex Coughlin. Uh, one thing that they've been kind of mentioning with Tohanare about him uh, – Going over to uh, Thailand and training Muay Thai. Uh, so I'm wondering where they're going to go with that. I was training Muay Thai today. Yeah. Because so I'm, I'm a legit shooter. You, maybe we can uh, can we set up a fight, you and uh, Su- or no, you and uh, Tohanara? Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but come on, man. Got to use those, uh, those fighting skills. Nacho. <laughs> But yeah, this was a fine matchup here. We had uh, Nakanishi, Tohanare, Fredericks, and Coughlin getting the win here after uh, Toa hit the Toa bottom on Yotosuji. Then we had Ishii, Yoshihashi, Sho, and Yo taking on G.O.D., Fale, and Chase Owens. And a uh, surprising thing here, we had Yo cradling up uh, Tangaloa for the win here. So, Rapungi 3K, the junior tag team, pins the heavyweight tag team, the heavyweight tag team champions, and uh, G.O.D. did not take this very lightly, attacking Yo post-match. Uh, Tonga wore him out with the kendo stick. So, it looks like we could potentially be setting up another uh, Rapungi 3K G.O.D. match. I mean, I saw the first one in Dallas. I was there, and uh, I love Rapungi 3K, but they got worked, bro. They did. They but- got worked bad. But maybe they're kind of trying to tell a, uh, you know, like a Will Ospreay s story here, where the more they wrestle heavyweights, the better they're getting, and there will be a better challenge the next time. I don't like that. I don't like the way you're doing that. Like you're making it sound like, like New Japan books this stuff out and actually has intentions. They're just falling into this stuff. This is it's all coincidental. <laughs> There's no such thing as long term booking, and that that that's some that's some bull crap that that New Japan fans just make up. It's not real. It's not real. <laughs> no, yeah, actually, um, I mean, all joking aside, do you think that this is an indication that that's where they're going? Do you think that, because we have seen Sho and Yo pick up cradle wins in multi-man matches over heavier opponents before. Right, especially during their run. Um, didn't they have like a never six-man run with them and Rocky? Yeah. I remember they, they beat like. I don't know if they won the titles. I can't, I don't think yeah. they did, but they were definitely like, tr- like, Facing a lot of guys. Right. And they're they're facing like a KES team that they were beating all time. Yeah, it was KES and uh um what's wrong? Isika. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember yeah, they pinned was it was Isika they pinned, right? 
They pinned this guy a few times. Yeah. So, yeah, Rapungi 3K have picked up heavyweight wins in the past. But, um, yeah, I mean, like we mentioned earlier when we we're talking about the Beppu match, it's like what teams are left there? I mean, Ishii and Yoshihashi, Ishii and Yano, like are you going to run those teams again? Or, I mean, they're clearly having Evil and Sonata in singles roles right now. Like are you going to well, put Well, we, we were definitely d- discussing, you know, the state of the heavyweight tag division. So it would make sense why they might go to Rapongi 3K. I'm um, especially with them both coming off of such strong showings during like the best, the super juniors and the, you know, the J cup. So that does kind of make sense. Um, it's just, we've never, it, it seems like it kind of came from out of nowhere. Like suddenly they're, they're like, Back in July, they they couldn't hang with these guys, but suddenly, like they pick up a surprise win, like pinfall over the you know heavyweight tag team champions. Like I don't know, um, I'm sure the matches between them would be phenomenal though if, if they're allowed to like really give them some time, give time. And Dow said they didn't have uh, much time to work. Uh, sure, it's like six minutes. Yeah, so yeah, I think uh, you know a 15 minute match between both these teams could be really great. And, yeah, I'm curious to see maybe. Are they leading to a junior title, tag title versus heavyweight titles? Like, will Rapungi 3K eventually get the junior titles back, and then you do Rapungi 3K versus G.O.D. at at Wrestle Kingdom for both the belts? I'm not that hopeful. I don't think they're going to do anything (laughs) like that, honestly. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Rapungi 3K step up and challenge for the heavyweight belts. I mean, that's happened before. We've seen it with the Bucks and different people like that. Um, So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Did you feel like when G.O.D. were – Attacking yo post match that that was an indication that that might be where they're heading or you think it was just one of those random like We're bad guys. So we're gonna beat you up No, I think it's some indication into yeah. the telling that story. They're getting some heat on yo You know, I think they're just trying to get over how frustrating it, it is for heavyweight tag team heavyweight tag team champions to lose to uh, juniors Which I thought they did a great job there uh, We had a question from Muzza. He says do you see for Punky 3K challenging for the heavyweight tag team titles that them being allowed to do more open weight clashes for heavyweight titles, i.e. the Never Belt heavyweight tag, IC, etc.? And would you want to see Punky 3K in both tag leagues? Well, the Never Weight Belt is an open weight belt. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I see what you're saying. Like, would, you know, maybe this would. I think we already saw the door for that kind of opened up this past year with. Um, with Will Ospreay, obviously. Yeah, and uh, Shingo. Uh, but, like, with the IC title, no. The, the IWGP belt, no. Probably not, you know what I mean? Right. And, actually, I kind of think that it's still going to be somewhat of an exclusive thing. It's not like every junior can just step up and challenge a heavyweight. There is still that skill disparity there. So, anytime they do bring up a, a heavy or a junior to challenge, win or loss, that is an indication an indication of their standing within the junior division, usually meaning that they see them as stars or someone who has a sense of credibility behind them. And, um, you know, Rapongi 3K could probably get beat pretty bad by G.O.D., but just the fact that that the company was behind them enough to even challenge is an indication of their standing within that junior division. Um, but yeah, I would love to see them in both tag leagues, honestly. Yeah. We, we need some, we need something for these tag leagues. Um, so then we move on to the next matchup here. We have um, Tanahashi, Makabe, Hanma, and Liger taking on Suzuki-gun of Seira, Suzuki, Kanemaru, and Doki. 
And this match was just a wild and crazy brawl all throughout. Not much happened in the ring. And then uh, coming down, um, Suzuki um, pushes the ref down, hits the ref, um, hits Liger for chair. They throw the match out, uh, disqualification. Um, and then Suzuki continues to go after the mask. And then he finally, uh, he, uh, he unmasks Liger. Young Lions run in to cover him up. Um, he's biting on Liger's mask and in, in his mouth, holding it like, you know, like he just like ripped the head off of something um, and kind of smiling and laughing. Did you see his, uh, his Instagram today? No. He had the, he had that mask and uh, <laughs> it's on the ground and then he's wearing his wrestling boots and he's like, just about, he's like hold hovering his foot above it. Like he's going to step on it. And, it. and like the caption just says, pray. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, and then uh, Liger, you know, eventually kind of comes to, gets on the mic, and um, says that Suzuki has crossed the line. Heated. He, yeah, vows to get his revenge. Yeah, Liger sounds really heated with these promos he had both nights, and, you know, the crowd was in absolute shock with Liger's mask coming off. And Bro, are we going to see Keishin Liger versus Minoru Suzuki? I think we are. Do you really, you think so? Yeah. For his, for his final match? I don't know. That's crazy sounding. I mean, the idea of Liger versus Suzuki was crazy sounding until they started doing this. I was, I thought, I was pretty convinced we were getting it. It's like so much. I thought we were getting it like way earlier in the year and it never happened. I mean, before, but I'm saying like before they even started teasing this, like I wouldn't like after Tokyo Dome, I would have never been like, oh, we're going to, they're going to start a Liger and Suzuki feud this year. I wouldn't have expected it, but I also, I don't know, just because I saw that like Pancrase match and you know all the stuff with it back then it wasn't too surprising but um yeah i mean these guys have done a fantastic job building it up even the the post uh show promos that they've been doing talking about the history between them and you know um even like liger's talking about the training he's been doing in preparation for this yeah he's like suzuki's gonna be surprised like i'm bigger stronger now yeah yeah so i'm all about that stuff like i'm pretty happy about it so yeah i can't wait (laughs) It's great stuff. Whenever it happens, I don't even know when it when that will be. Yeah, I mean, we got we got King of Pro Wrestling coming around the corner, or they can just save it for the dome. I mean, they've held it off this long; they could just continue to hold it off and do it in the dome. Uh, then we had um, Okada, Goto, and Rocky Romero defeating the team of Sonata, Shingo, and Bushi. Uh, Okada hits the Rainmaker on Bushi to get the win there. Like all multi-man LIJ matches, really good stuff here. The Shingo and Goto interactions were great yeah, here. Yeah, they especially like stood out. Yeah, so really looking forward to that matchup uh, next weekend in uh, Kobe. Uh, then we had Naito and Evil defeating the team of Jay White and Yujiro Takahashi. Evil hits the everything is evil on Chase, or excuse me, on Yujiro Takahashi to get the win there. Um, and then post match, we had um, Naito. He was gonna hit a try to hit a Destino on Jay White, but Jay White did his you know his uh, signature kind of drop down to uh, block a signature move. And then Naito was you, uh, mean, you mean Kenny's signature? <laughs> well, Kenny did it out of exhaustion. Jay does it because he's a douchebag. That's true. <laughs> um, and then Jay was offering the uh, the Lij fist bump while he's on his knees and. Naito's like, no, nah, you got you got to stand up if you want to get the fist bump, and then Jay low blowed him. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I don't get it. Like, am I alone in this? I, honestly, I haven't seen much people that have been hyped for this, so I'm not hyped for it. I don't think majority of people are really hyped for it. 
Like I said earlier, man, I think um, people are just worried that Nitel is losing this belt, man. Jay White strap? Yeah, Jay White strap next next weekend <laughs> could, could be a, a real possibility. Oh, man. Like, I, I've learned to never count Jay White out in a big match situation. So, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, then we move on to the semi-main event of the evening. We have the IWGP Junior Tag Team Championship on the line. As the champions, ELP, El Phantasmo, and the Bone Soldier, Taiji Ishimori, take on the Birds of Prey, Will Ospreay, and Robbie Eagles. I thought this match was great. What do you think, young boy? Yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, it took a little while. I mean, they, they were given a lot of time. Like, a lot of time. I mean, how long was it? felt long. It was like 20, it went, 20 minutes more. It went uh, 23 minutes and 10 seconds. Yeah, they had a lot of time. Um, in the early goings of the match, there was definitely, it just, it took, I don't know. There was a lot of that, like bullet club shenanigans, the raking and yeah, all that the, sort of the, stuff. The top rope, you know, back raking the, the crotch, uh, uh, double, um, jump up in the corner. And that stuff's fine. Um, but once, once it got going, it really got going. And, um, this was super athletic, like. Especially like everybody, everybody was really impressive here. But especially some of the double uh, team maneuvers that uh, Robbie Eagles and Will Osprey were were busting out. Even um, El Fantasmo, he did that one um, springboard moonsault to the outside, which oh, was pretty crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, him and Ishimori had some great double teams too. They have yeah. a, a spot they've been doing all their matches where it's a code breaker into the BME, the best moonsault ever. Uh, that's a great combo there. And, yeah, El Fantasma was just diving all over the place. All four of these guys were diving all over the place. Um, there was a spot where um, Osprey and um, and Eagles, I thought they were going to do a cross slash. But they, they did I like, thought they were doing a cross slash, too. They, did like a cro- they crossed each other and did like a flip dive to the outside on Ishimori and ELP. Uh, that was, like, to me, the moment of the match. Yeah, th- that was awesome. Uh, it was really good. The only thing is, um, well, there's a couple things. They're, they had a really good promo video, a really good promo video, kind of detailing the history between Eagles and Osprey and the whole Bullet Club thing, and then, you know, El Fantasma coming in and, you know, the, the beef between Eagles and him and Ishimori and then the stuff that happened in Australia and, you know, the, the, the redemption of Robbie Eagles and then all the stuff that happened at Jacob. So it's like this is a really long-term built-up storyline you know what i mean like there's there's a lot of history here and um if you're watching the match if you want my one criticism you wouldn't know that hardly Mm. at all there's very little callbacks very few like this was a super spot fest and we love spot fest and Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not complaining about that but like there was very little to like build off of what has happened to where this felt like anything more than just your, your junior tag team spot fest. You know what I mean? Granted, it was a really high, like it was a very high level one because of the, the level of workers that were there and the amount of time they were given. But I mean, I didn't feel like they were doing a lot with the story, honestly. Right. Well, I mean, you had, you had um, you know, Osprey and Eagles both kind of wanted to get revenge, especially after what happened in the Super J Cup. Um, so those guys were just kind of out to win and just beat those guys. I, yeah, I get that. But even that didn't come across to me too much. You know what? Um, I mean, the one guy that 
Everyone was fantastic. I think the star of the match was Robbie Eagles. Yes. And yeah, let's talk about Eagles for a second, man. Because here's a guy that we were kind of like lukewarm on yeah. uh, during the Super Junior Tag League. And he's fantastic. Yeah, dude. He's so much better as a babyface. He's, he's a fantastic like, baby I don't face. know what they were doing making him a heel. Like, he's a perfect babyface. He's great at selling. His facial expressions are great. Um, his his high flying moves are awesome. The way he targets the leg, does the four fifty on the leg, the uh, the raw metal special. He has a lot of really cool moves. This guy's a great baby face. Yeah, the the leg work that he did to um to Ishimori, and then later in the match to Phantasmo and the near falls he got off of that stuff. That was really fantastic. And it, like he was like kind of making his last stand uh, towards the end of this match on his own, and that was a great. That was an excellent moment. Um. And I get what you're saying. Like, you know, these these baby faces were angry with the heels and they wanted their comeuppance. But, you know, I'm not a big fan of the melodrama when it comes to wrestling. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So yeah. this almost seems backwards for me to be saying this. But sometimes when the moment is right, you kind of need a little bit of that. You know what I mean? And there was almost none of that. Like, if if you hadn't, like, let's say if you ne- you hadn't seen that uh, video, you wouldn't know there would be no indication of like a past story between these guys really it just it, this came off like to me like you could have seen this in a pwg does that make sense yeah and i feel like that they built this up for too long now i don't think that this is the final blow off obviously but um i just wish that they i think that they had an opportunity to kind of build off of what they've done and i don't think they were capitalizing on that enough i think that they're they were missing out on a opportunity a bit with that Honestly, a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I was too enamored with the moves to really kind of pick up with that. I just see, see, Jeremy. The thing with wrestling, it's not all about the moves. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a uh, believer in Rich Lattice Pro Wrestling, um, which is uh, flips, dives, <laughs> uh, V triggers, super kicks, <laughs> all, all the high spots. Uh, so I'm all about that. So, but the match was excellent. I yeah, mean, I, I love this man. I was four and a half on this thing. Oh, what? That's not, that's kind of high, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I really love this match. Four man. and a half. Yeah, man. Oh my god. No, <laughs> I wasn't that high. I know. I know. A lot of people were. I don't know, it's gonna be all over the board. I've been seeing ratings between between four, four and a half. Um, but yeah, I, I Wrestling, really wrestling so subjective. Like, if you want my opinion, like for instance, like the last like junior tag that I remember being like four and a half was like the Bucks and Rapongi three K, mm-hmm. and I loved that match. And I I can't put this in that kind of category, but this this was a excellent. I mean, it was an excellent match. I don't know. I, I'd probably go close to four. I would actually rate this a little bit higher than the tag match from the night before because it's so hard to compete with this sort of this kind of level of athleticism, mm-hmm. but as a match and something that I actually enjoyed, I think I did like the match from the night before better. And if it hadn't had that terrible, well, I wouldn't even call it terrible, but if it hadn't had flat. That, that flat finish at the end, I actually would have said that was the better match. But, uh, t- you know, that th- these are both um, in a nutshell, these kind of encapsulate the difference between the heavyweight and the junior tag divisions and the styles between them, like literally right there in a nutshell, you can kind of compare the current state of, of new Japan's tag team divisions. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I thought they did a great job um, teasing uh, a potential title change here in this matchup here. Uh, but eventually it came down to the end where uh, Robbie Eagles gets hit with the bloody cross and the CR two 
and El Potenzo pins Eagles, Fantasmo, and Ishimori retain the junior tag team titles. And then uh, post-match, um, ELP gets on the mic, says that um, he's planning on completing the trifecta when he challenges Will Ospreay at King of Pro Wrestling for the junior heavyweight championship. So looking forward to that rematch there. Match of the night easily. Yes. Um, and then we move on to the main event of the evening. We had the hometown boy, the G1 winner, the Golden Star, Kota Ibushi, defending his right to challenge for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom 14 against Kenta. And uh, we had this match uh, kicking off with uh, Kenta uh, bum-rushing uh, Ibushi, Hits him with the briefcase, destroys the briefcase, uh, gets on the mic saying that um, he now owns this briefcase and he's going to remodel it in Bullet Club colors. Um, Then we kind of had a long spot of um, Red Shoes checking on Ibushi, calling in doctors, doctors checking on Ibushi. This kind of reminded me of that match uh, from New Beginning this past year with uh, Naito and um, Taichi. Mm. Remember? With yeah, where Taichi like blitzed him, and they were kind of like checking on Naito. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if this was quite that long, but it felt similar. Yeah, it was. It was. It was quite a while. Um, and then finally, you know, Abushi's like, "Yeah, I'm good to go." Doctor clears for the match to start. Bell rings. Kenta hits up a psycho knee right off the bell. Yep. For I, I, a I, crazy bro, near fall. Bro, I thought he lost. <laughs> I thought. He, I thought he lost. <laughs> yeah, that was a really close near fall. Um. But overall, you know, this match is just it just was all right. Uh, Kenta Kenta controlled most of the match. It was him cutting off uh, Kota Ibushi all throughout. I mean, it, it definitely played off of their match that they had back in uh, Dallas in July. During that match, you know, the majority of it was controlled by Kenta as well. The big difference here was Kenta was using nefarious means to keep uh, Kota Ibushi down. Lots of outside, you know, aggressive maneuvers, using the guardrails, using shortcuts, a lot of cheating, a lot of uh, underhanded tactics. Um, but, and you know, I thought Kenta looked pretty good, to be honest with you, and I thought he did a great job playing up to the crowd. But just the pacing, the timing of the match, it kind of lacked the buzz that we had for that match in July. That match in July, we were like, Oh my god, dream match, Kenta's back. In on this match, I was kind of like, Kenta's not winning. So I think that this is their way of like keep because they don't they kind of booked themselves in the corner and the fact that like Kenta had to lose, mm-hmm. but they weren't ready for Kenta to lose a, another high profile match like this. So I think that they just had him get like 95% of the offense so that he could like, I don't know, in their minds make him look stronger, but Ultimately, like he still lost. He still ate those Kamigoyes. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, does that make you look strong if you if you beat the other guy up for the majority of the, the fight and you can't put him away and you? No, I'm you look like a geek. Like yeah, you, you were look, winning and then you lost. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. It's like it's like a football game. You could be like winning like the first three quarters and the team comes back and wins. Like that looks bad on you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think I kind of agree with that. Yeah. So and it. It just wasn't very exciting. Is ultimately like it just kind of didn't click. There was the match had its moments. This was by no means like a bad match, but it also wasn't a great match. Right, and from a New Japan main event, 
It's one of the lower ones this year. Yeah. But then again, it's Destruction Tour, so it doesn't matter. Hey, Destruction <laughs> Tour, we had Kenny in the boot in uh, Ishii last year. Yeah, but that was like one of the, the <laughs> that was one of the real Destruction like, shows. This this one it feels like an in between thing. Like it's not even that real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Honestly, man, this you know what this match felt like to me. This felt like 2006 John Cena match. Him versus like the Great Kali or Umaga or somebody where. He's literally just getting beat up the whole match, trying to get Simpy on him, and then finally he he hooks up, he uh, super Cena's up, comes back and wins. I mean, bro, when we were watching it, I was like, "Is this not a Hulk Hogan? Like, this is like an '85 Boston Garden match. Like, yeah. you know, this is him versus like Kamala, the Ugandan Giant, or something like that. <laughs> like, this guy, this guy's just taking all the offense, and you know, the only thing is, Kenta really didn't ever Hulk up. We never got Murdakota. He just kind of like. Caught this guy and Kamigoyed him a couple times and pinned him. Yeah, and and you know what else? I don't think Ibushi looked very great in this match either. So to me, like, I don't think it did a favor for either guy. Yeah, really. Um, it was sort of like just something that happened, something that was there, and um, you know, like it 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 just happened, and now we're moving on, and I don't really know what the point of this was. Uh, although, you know, Bushi did cut a pretty good promo at the end of it. Maybe that saved things a bit. Yeah. Um, before we get to that promo, we also had um, G.O.D. interference again, continuing the kind of the story that G.O.D. and Kenta are helping each other out in the matches. Yeah, I forgot that even happened. Like, we, I was I was content to, like, finish this uh, this this portion of the review and move <laughs> on. I forgot that. I forgot that, that. Yeah, and when that happened, I was like, man, there's a lot of tomfoolery. Yeah, they, they hit the magic killer on Ibushi. Then they look for the super power bomb, and then Ishii and Yoshihashi make the save. Um, and then uh, Abushi and Kenta kind of trade strikes. Um, Kenta hits a PK for a near fall. Kenta hits a Kamagoya of his own for a near fall. Abushi counters to go to sleep, hits a V trigger, and two Kamagoyas to get the win. Yep. Isn't, <laughs> isn't it funny that... Uh, Ishii and Yoshihashi, these chaos guys, come out and save a non-chaos member so quickly. But other times, the chaos guy will be getting jumped and they're nowhere to be found. I thought, you know, I thought about that, but then I just explained it away. I, I Meltzer explained it to myself in my head, and I was just like, well, kind of makes sense because they're feuding with them. They're probably trying to get their comeuppance. <laughs> but yeah, no, Well, absolutely. actually. <laughs> well, actually. Um so, yeah, so that was the end of that matchup there. Then uh, before Abushi could utter a word for his promo, we had Evil appearing on stage, and then he makes his way down to the ring, and he challenges Abushi for the G1 briefcase, I'm assuming that will happen at King of Pro Wrestling. What were your – I mean, obviously you called it last week when you mentioned that the reason that Evil keeps picking up wins is to probably set up a, a – you know, a uh, shot at the briefcase for evil. But I mean, what did you, wh- what were your thoughts when he came out? Did you feel any like excitement? I mean, I was just like, I knew it. Like <laughs> he he was picking up, you know, wins this whole tour. I'm like, that's what they're, they're heating him up for. So I'm like, when he came out, I was like, Oh, that's what I expected. Well, did you think that the crowd's reaction to this was, um, you know, excitement or, I mean, like, did they seem really into it or kind of indifferent? Uh, honestly, I don't even know because, like, I saw Evil come out and then I was like trying to finish up the rundown, like, start getting stuff ready for the show. Like, I knew Evil was gonna come out and challenge him, so I really didn't pay like close attention to kind of how the crowd reacted to it, to be honest. Um, uh, but I mean, 
the crowds, you know, New Japan phase man loves Evil, and um, Evil and Ibushi have had some good matches in the past before, so should be a good match to have it on King of Pro Wrestling, which is already shaping up to look like a pretty good uh, card. So, what are you what are you thinking? Um, well, I actually missed that portion. I came out during the uh, once he was doing the promo, and so I actually didn't see the portion where he came out. So I was kind of actually more. It wasn't even so much for the show or for you guys, the listeners. More for me. I I just want to get the consensus what what people are thinking here. I I don't see myself being very excited about this, but then again, I'm notorious for not being super high on evil, and I know that he has his fans and he has his supporters. Um, and it seemed to me that everyone seemed to be much higher on that match during the G1 than I was. I just thought it was okay. Like I thought the match was I, but I remember people loving that match, and I was just like, ah. yeah, I thought the, the match was pretty good. I thought it was yeah. But I mean, it's the G1. Yeah, uh, I have a question here from Muzzle. He says, "Do you feel that Kenta has been a bit of a flop so far? Disappointing matches with Ishii. You're a bit of a, you're a, bit of a flop. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, said, uh, "So far, disappointing matches with Ishii and Ibushi, with the possibility of Evil versus Sonata at Wrestle Kingdom. If both win, can you see those two facing off in the future in the main event of a pay per view? Well, first of all, let's talk about Kenta. Do you think he's been a flop? No. Yeah, I don't. I mean, with with Ishii, he he got his bell rung. Like that match. That match was good. Yeah, I thought a lot of people were down that match. I thought the match was really good, and obviously until Kenta got his bell rung, if he was didn't get you know. Concussed, well, I guess not concussed, but knocked loopy, whatever. He got concussed. <laughs> um, I think I think that match would have, you know, been better than what people thought it was going to be. Um, and as far as this Abushi match here, I mean, the Abushi match in Dallas uh, was really good. It was a great match. Um, and obviously here, kind of like what you mentioned, like they kind of booked themselves into a corner. You have the new never champion. You're trying to push him to look strong, but then also you have to push Ibushi to look strong. But nothing, nothing about those Ibushi matches lead me to believe that they couldn't have like a fantastic match. Mm-hmm. This is just they're telling weird stories. This was an odd layout. Like and and the other match had an odd layout. Like they chose to wrestle these matches in this very particular way. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to do that. Um, but no, man, I don't think he's a he's a flop. Like he's. One of the most talked about guys and most, from what I've seen, like, people are talking about him. The stories are revolving around him. He's got a pretty prominent role. Like, um, I wouldn't even call those matches disappointing. Like, yeah, yeah, the Ibushi match wasn't, like, the highest rated match I've ever seen in my life. And there were some people who didn't, like, love the uh, the Ishii match. But, I mean, I, I don't know. Disappointing, that seems a, that seems a little... A little crazy. Especially with all the other great matches he had in G1. Yeah. People act like he didn't have a good G1 or something. Like this guy had a fantastic G1. Yeah. Like, so. I don't know. I, I th- and, and you know what? I think what he's doing as a character right now is way more interesting than anything he's done in the last five years of his entire career. So, no, I don't think it's a flop. <laughs> and I think they're, they're going to draw money with him. Yeah. I think so, too. So, Yeah. And then uh, the Evil and Sonata question is, do we think that we could see Evil and Sonata facing off at the main event of a big show? With the possibility of Evil versus Sonata at Wrestle Kingdom, if both win, can you see these two facing off in the future in the main event of a... 
Why would Evil and Sonata face off at Wrestle Kingdom? Because Evil could beat Ibushi for the contract. Sonata could beat Okada uh, for the title. And then that would give you a um, Sonata Evil. Main that would event. never happen. <laughs> that would never, ever, ever happen. <laughs> that wouldn't draw. Yeah. <laughs> they would never do that. Oh, my God. Can you imagine, like, going from, like, years where they've had, like, Kenny and Okada, you know, Jericho and Kenny, you know, Naito and, and Okada, and then they're like, this year we're giving you Evil Sonata. What? The, the guys that won the tag titles the last two years in a row? Come on, dog. Like, yeah. They're not doing that. Um, but do you think these guys could face off in a, in a main event of, like, a destruction or? Yeah. yeah. I could totally see them facing off. New beginning. I could totally see them facing off in the main event of a destruction. Hino Kuni, sure. Yeah. King of Pro Wrestling, heck no. <laughs> maybe maybe a G1 show in one of their hometowns. Like night night like eight. Night <laughs> <laughs> uh, eleven. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I think both of these guys. I mean, they've done a great job with Sonata. Evil has kind of been in the on the back burner. But you know what? This this is probably one of those things that's gonna age terribly. They probably will end up like being in a huge spot once like LIJ is broken up and there'll be big stars and it'll draw money and someone's gonna pull this clip and be like and I'm no. gonna be like, Yeah, these guys might I, <laughs> I could see them like on a road to show. <laughs> no, by by the time that happens, nobody's gonna remember this episode. That's cause this show's gonna not exist anymore, sir. It's gonna be dead. Wow. <laughs> um, you ever think about that? How long are we going to do this show? Forever? Forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, man. I'm planning to be Dave Meltzer, man. Bro, we're we're going to be the number one New Japan podcast just by, like, default. Like, th- just sheer force of will. Longevity. Like, we're playing the long game. Yeah. Like, 15 years from now when we're still doing it, of course we're going to be the best because we're going to be the only ones that, like, are still doing it. Yeah, Dave, David will be retired by the... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. We'll, we'll have Damien, like, do guest spots on here. <laughs> we'll bring on, like, WH Park every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's um, Destruction in Kagoshima. Yeah, what a night. What a night. <laughs> I, I liked the I liked uh, Beppu better. I did as well. Yeah. So uh, we have some more Young Lion matches coming up, Young Lion Cup matches coming up this week. Um, once again, these matches will all be video on demand, um, no commentary, and they will not be uploading the rest of the uh, Road 2 card, so you just got to worry about watching the Young Lion matches. On September 18th, we have Narita versus Humora. That should be one to keep your eyes out. We also have Connors and Coughlin. That should be another uh, great matchup there. Then on September 19th, we have Umino versus Suji and Fredericks versus Richards. And then on September 20th, we have Umora versus Coughlin and Suji versus Richards. And that brings us to Destruction in Kobe, which will be happening uh, next Sunday, September 22nd. Do some uh, quick predictions here for this card. So on this card, it's going to open up with Yumura, Suji, and Nagata versus Richards, Coughlin, and Nakanishi. Yep. So um, that should be pretty enjoyable. I I, I don't know. It's it, it's it's another um, New Japan dads mixing up with uh, 
Young Lions. I mean, those are always good. Yeah. I, I think uh, Nagata getting the win on Richards would make the most sense here. Yeah, I'll just go with the Nagata team because it's Nagata. Yeah. And then we will have um, the two final matches of the Young Lions Cup. We will have Shota Umino versus Carl Fredericks. And we will have Ren Narita versus Clark Connors. So at this time, um, we have Fredericks, Umino, and Narita all four and one with eight points. Clark Connors uh, three and two with six points. Um, so we'll see what happens this week based off the Young Lions. But um, clearly, it looks like the kind of these are kind of like the the final matches here. That you know the winner is going to come out of one of these matches here. I feel pretty confident. This is my Official prediction. I think Narita's losing to Connors so that they can kind of end up with similar point totals. And then in the finals, Umino will beat Fredericks and he will become the uh, Young Lion Cup winner 2019. Well, here's the weird thing. So, based off of the card on njpw1972.com, the Umino Fredericks match is first. I know. But I, I, I think that might get switched around. Mm. I have a weird feeling that that's not the correct order. Gotcha. Those two will be flip-flop, you think? That's my prediction. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure. But I, I still think Umino's beating Fredericks. Yeah. Because, I mean... I, I don't think... I don't think Connors and Rita are winning this. Like, I don't I don't care if they're, like, in the actual main event of the actual show. I still don't think they're winning. Like, to, to me, it comes down to Umino-Fredericks. And I might be wrong, but I think Umino's winning. For a while, I thought it was going to be Fredericks, but I've changed my mind. I've made a, I've made a concise decision. It's Umino. Mm. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of. I could be swayed either way, but um, for uh, you think it's these LA Dojo boys. For uh, entertainment purposes, I'm going to go with uh, Carl Fredericks getting the win and winning the overall um, Young Lions Cup. Why don't you just be a real contrarian? Go with Connors. <laughs> Uh, contrarians are elsewhere on the internet, sir. Uh, not here on this podcast network. Uh, no, we definitely have contrarians on this podcast network. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to go with Fredericks. I mean, I, I don't know. Part of me kind of wants to do the real the real wild card and go Narita getting the win. I would love it if it was Narita. Yeah. But I'll I, mark so much harder if it's Narita than anybody else. Yeah, but I, I think I'm going to go with uh, Fredericks. All right. To be our uh, 12th Young Lion Cup champion. All right. You can be wrong, but that's all right. <laughs> hey, if, if I'm wrong, just remember, my predictions are for EPO entertainment purposes only. And if I'm right, then I'm just I'm just right. Uh, you know, week to week, I don't even remember what I predicted. You, honestly, neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like watching we this. Need, we need to do a better job, like. In the like next year, we need to write this stuff down and keep track of it because I don't know what we predict. Yeah, like I'll, I'm watching the show. I'm like, what did I say again? Like, I, I don't know, even dude. remember. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I know somebody else is like probably like keep it like tally and like keep a track. Like, oh, I only remember when the match matters, and on this tour, like, not much matters. Not much has mattered. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we got Hanare Hanma and Makabe versus Chase Yudro and Fale. I think that's uh, Hanma. I'll just go Bullet Club. Yeah, Hanma eating the pin there. Then we got uh, Rocky, Tiger Mask, and Liger, and Tanahashi versus Suzuki, Saber, Doki, and Kanemaru. I don't know. Are we going to another no decision? Another yeah, we could get another uh, DQ uh, win for Liger's team. I- I'll just predict a DQ. 
I'm just going to predict it. DQ. Okay. Uh, I'm going to predict uh, Tanahashi uh, pinning Doki. Okay. That's fine. Are you happy Doki's back? I, I mean, he's been fine. That's your boy, though. That's not, not my boy. I mean. <laughs> that's your boy. <laughs> uh, he's been fine. I mean, he's done his role perfectly fine on this tour. Eating pins. Being sleazy, like being fucking awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd much rather desperado, but gotta do what you gotta do, I guess. Uh, or as, as Vince McMahon would say, it is what it is. Uh, but uh, moving on, we have uh, Birds of Prey, Yoshihashi, Ishii, and Abushi versus God, Ishimori, ELP, and Kenta. Nice uh, Bullet Club versus Chaos. Yeah. All of Chaos. Well, Chaos and Ibushi. No, all five members of Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't know. I go Bull Club again. I'll just go Bull Club. Yeah. yeah. Heat. <laughs> we're booking this like like we're booking this like it's a class like, of champions. Like a, yeah, like it's a WWE pay per view. Heat, brother. Put all the heels over. Yeah. Um, then we have Shoyo in Okada versus Bushi, Evil, and Sonata. Uh, I'll go with Okada pinning Bushi. Yeah, I'm just gonna go with the Okada team because it's Okada. I don't know. <laughs> then we got our two big matches for this show. We have Goto versus Shingo. Shingo, baby. Here, I I want Shingo to win, but I I'm just afraid that there might be some fifty fifty booking. Now listen, Goto a geek. The <laughs> the, the G in Goto stands <laughs> for geek. geek. <laughs> Shingo all the way. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Shingo. <laughs> all I had to do was say, like, an alliteration, and it got you to, like, <laughs> agree with me. Yeah, this match is going to be awesome. This could be a, a strong style fight of the year candidate. But, yeah, I definitely want Shingo to win and kind of work its way up the ladder there. Speaking of award seasons, we probably need to, like, start compiling. <sighs> yeah, I, I clon- I know. yeah, I cloned over the document for this year. So, yeah, eventually we got to fill that out and... Start putting that together. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll, we'll get it together for you guys. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm actually kind of looking forward to, like, the finished product and seeing what how everything stacks up compared to last year. It's going to be better because there's no elite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, there's no Kenny. <laughs> don't don't be one of these Bro, guys. Kenny, Kenny going to win match of the year. He only had one match this year. <laughs> he could. He could, dude. Omega Tanahashi. <laughs> Was f- amazing. Kenny Omega is gonna win. He's gonna continue to win awards in in New Japan. Not even be part of the company. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Shingo and uh, Osprey is gonna give it a run for the money. You don't think so? Nah, my match of the year is uh, Abushi and Jay White. That's another match that, that, that can give it. I don't know. There's gonna be a lot of we have some tough choices to make for. Uh, Match of the year. Yeah. Um, then the main event, we have uh, the IC title match with Naito defending against Switchblade Jay White. I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll be the one. I, I'm I, going Jay White. I, that's what I was going to do. <laughs> I'm going Jay White. I'm, I'm going to uh, annoy all of our LHA listeners. Uh, I'm going to go with Jay White. There's been too many times 
on this show where I've said Jay White's going to eat a pinfall in this match. And what happens? Blade Runner, one, two, three. This man, Jay White, always wins anytime I predict him to lose. So I'm going with Jay White. <sighs> I just like, I kind of feel like, okay. Naito retains, okay? Tokyo Dome's a long way away. What what next? Who is he defending at King of Pro Wrestling? He doesn't have matches lined up. After right. This. I don't have a feeling in my in my gut that he's going to carry this belt all the way to the Tokyo Dome. Now, I still think that if they do this double title thing, he'll be involved in some way. I don't know if he'll be in that main match on January 5th, but January 4th, he'll be in the picture. But I don't know if he's going to be holding the title I've got a feeling he's losing the belt here to Jay White. Yeah, I think you mentioned, um, I forget when, when we were talking about this, but you were thinking that Naito could go in, you know. I, I think he could go in and win both belts right, like on he two consecutive nights. comes in nights. completely underdog, no belts, yep. then he walks in um, both nights and wins both matches. I kind of think that's what they might do. Um, yeah, I'm going Jay White, man. Yep. And I, I don't have high expectations for the for the quality of this match either. Like I'm not very excited for it. Yeah, uh, Goto and Chingo, I feel it's gonna blow it out the water. I hope Naito and Jay White surprise me the same way that Ibushi and Jay White did. You know? Yeah. Because I wasn't excited for that either, and it's it was so fantastic. But um, their match during G1 was to me was just okay. Yeah, it's just it's kind of mid. Nothing. Yeah, it was super mid, <laughs> fire mid. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it nothing about it really made me want to see them wrestle again and this whole build has been extremely weak um yeah yeah i had a question here from reddit user iv5277 are we overestimating naito's double champion prediction at wrestle kingdom also what is a NJ, njpw history factoid every fan should know uh jeremy i wish you would prepare me for this so that way i could like had a factoid <laughs> ready to go I, I don't i don't what's a factoid oh god i don't know um, okay. All right. When when he says overestimating Naito's double champion prediction, what what do you think that means? Like are we I don't know, are people kind of over exaggerating it maybe? Or are people like too too locked in on it happening? For him or just in general? Maybe for him. I don't I think people are not I think people are underestimating it. Like the chances of it happening? I think there's a large contingency of people that I keep hearing that are like, that don't even think that there's gonna be like two like uh, this mini tournament happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though to me it seems like the, the the facts are all right there. Like you have multiple people talking about it multiple times. Abushi at the end of this night cut a promo talking about how that's what he wanted to do. The the night before Zack Saber mentioned how that's something he wanted to do. Even during the um the uh, the VTR video. They showed a picture of the IC belt and the IWGB belt side by side. Like, it's very clear that they are building to this yeah. in a very tangible way. Um, and I think, I don't know. I don't understand the context of this question specifically. I'm wondering if what they mean is, like, are we putting too many too much stock in him talking about it when there isn't even going to be a double title match at all? Mm. But I think very clearly they're building to, to work. Right, but I feel like a lot of people have... Been buying into the fact that there is going to be a double champion match. Maybe. Yeah. So, um, but I, I'm wondering if his question is que- if if this question is in fact questioning that. Yeah. 
Or I don't know if what he, or maybe the other thing he's saying is, are people overestimating Naito because they think he's like a lock to win it? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And um, I don't know if that's the case either. Honestly, I, I don't know what people's opinions are. I'm, I think that if they do this, it makes the most sense from a story perspective to do Naito. But, you know, I've been saying that for two years and it just keeps not happening. So, <laughs> so what do I know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then have you thought about a, a New Japan history fact? No, you have to answer this too. You don't get to pass it off on me. Like, Yo, you got a factoid? <laughs> what do you think about this prediction stuff? About the the champion? The, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think clearly it's going to happen based on everything they're doing. Um, I mean, if if any times in the time, like Naito, if they're going to put the belt on Naito, this needs to be it. Um and again, I kind of like your booking of him going in without a belt and then walking out with both belts. Um, yeah, and it was very interesting, too, that on Abushi's um, briefcase that they have just January 4th, which makes you lean into that. There's going to have be an IWGP title match the first night. You would definitely think there's going to be one the second night um, with it being following. So I definitely think it's going to happen. Then you got Sabre now mentioning wanting to be the Triple Crown champion. So, uh, yeah, I mean... Again, I mean, like you said, we both predicted Naito to win in G1. Didn't happen. I would think that they didn't do that so he can get this big moment here. But if not, then I'm thinking maybe Ibushi wins it all. Possibly. Yeah. Or Okada wins it all, and you just continue to make Okada the greatest champion of all time. Do you have a good factoid? I think I got one. Uh, I'll, get, I'll give you a moment. Think, think hard about it. All right. Okay. So this is a factoid. Um, in the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling, they have, in fact, had more than one, one main world title. In fact, they've had at least four different distinct recognized main world titles in their organization, not including other recognized world titles that come from outside promotions like the NWA title, like the WWF title, like the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. I'm talking only distinctly titles that they recognized as their main prize. The first one was called simply the Real World's Championship. <laughs> and it was, the, it was the title that um, Frank Gotch uh, carried, and he defended it against Inoki, and him and Inoki traded it until when he retired, um, he won the title back and retired with it, and then it, after that fact, it left the promotion. So the first title they had, the Real World's Championship. The second world title that they had in this promotion was the NWF heavyweight title, and it was also at one point known as the World Heavyweight title. Um, this was the main title all throughout Inoki's entire mainstay as a top guy in the company from 1970, I believe. Until nineteen like eighty three, actually, yeah, until nineteen eighty three. So for ten years, the NWF belt was the recognized title in New Japan Pro Wrestling. After that, they retired it. The third title was the uh, the first IWGP title, which is distinctly different from the IWGP title that, that they have now. It was something that they fought for during um, that was only defended against uh, IWGP 
uh, league tournament winners. It was only defended like three or four times ever, but from 1983 to 1987, it was the top prize in the company. And then from 1987 until now, the main world title has been the, the second incarnation of the IWGP title. So all in all, New Japan Pro Wrestling has had four different distinct world heavyweight titles. Great fact. It's a great history lesson there. Yeah, most people, I don't think most people know that either. No, I don't think they do. Uh, my, my factoid is uh, Manobu Nakanishi won the 1995 Young Lions Cup. He did. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> there's, there's your fun fact for me. <laughs> um, you know who else did Ken's, uh, did, did, um, what was that guy's name? Um, Kenzo Suzuki. Oh, the, yeah, the guy was in WWE. Didn't he win a Young Lions Cup? Did he? I'm pretty sure he won the one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Let me take a look. Yeah, pl- throw it, throw it in the, uh, the Google machine there. Let's look at these Young Lion Cup winners. <laughs> yeah, I've never actually gone back and looked at the, uh, the winners. We, uh, I only remember that. Yeah, 2000. Kenzo Suzuki won wow. won the 2000 Young Lions Cup. Um, you know who won the 2004 Young Lions Cup? Who? Yeah. Taguchi. Wow. 2005 winner was Goto. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. 1994 Satoshi Kojima. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You know, speaking of Kojima, you know, I tweeted out a picture of me last week wearing my Kojima shirt. And I got a like from the leader of the bread club, Satoshi Kojima. Really? Yeah. That's because he got your money, kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, look at this mark. This American mark. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, good stuff there. Um, so moving on, um, Super J Cup. Were you able to watch any of the Super J Cup matches? I was absolutely able to watch some of the Super J Cup I, I, I unfortunately did not watch any of the Super J Cup. I was able to. I just did not do it. Got you. No, that's not true. I watched some of it with you. Yeah, you see uh, some of the matches that I was watching here. Um, so we won't go into a uh, full in-depth review of all these things since you haven't seen. I mean, um, we can talk about how shitty the production was. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, let's, let's start there. <laughs> the, the, the production of these shows was absolutely terrible it was abysmal yeah like like you mentioned like single cam like young lion project shows look better than this way better bro this is these okay like no no lie these are i i don't want to like people i know that i can be prone to hyperbole but i don't think this is hyperbolic i think this is fact these are the worst produced shows from a visual standpoint that New Japan has done in like five five years or maybe more. Um, back in the day when we didn't get full production shows from New Japan and we would just have literal single cam or maybe even like, you know, we used to get that a lot, like on G1 nights and Best Super Junior nights, stuff like that. We'd get a, we would get a single cam show maybe one side camera and those cameras were clearer than this. And even with no, uh, you know, no commentary and yeah, that wasn't, it didn't come off as big league, but you can go back and watch some of those shows and you're like, you know, this really is, I actually used to watch those and hate it. 
at the time when I I was like, this sucks. Like, <laughs> but now going back, I can watch this. And I'm like, you know, they really weren't that bad. Actually, considering you know the the limitations, they were pretty good. When you compare it to this, oh, it, it's bad, bro. It's really bad. It, you know, what it remind me of it remind me of like a lot of like when we watch like some of these shindy pro wrestling shows on like Fight TV and stuff, dude. The House of Glory show was that better. We, we watched with Bucks vs. Private Party. Yeah. The camera work was better. And that was bad. That was bad too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. This was like 2000. This was, well, even that, I was going to say it's like 2003, like Ring of Honor type stuff, but even, even that, that was, better. was, yeah. Bro, it's 2019. This is this. Here's the problem this is the second largest wrestling, well, maybe not anymore, but. Arguably speaking, it's the second largest wrestling company in the entire world. You know what I'm saying? Like, the production has to be better. Like, um, I was going to show, like, I was thinking about, like, to catch up on these, I was going to show the, these matches to a friend of mine, and then I was like, nah, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be showing a non-New Japan fan these New Japan Cup uh, shows because it does not matter how good the the uh, wrestling is. doesn't matter how, like, Great Kevin Kelly's commentaries, which we'll talk about that too. I think that's problematic as well. Um, it it just looks really bad, and we're not usually ones to get hung up on that sort of thing. Like we'll forgive quite a bit, but like it can't be this bad, right? Especially making us wait forever. Bro, what the f- <laughs> <laughs> bro, <laughs> bro, I know, right? It's like you wait so long, and then you get this. It's like the first show. Like you had multi cans, but. It was just horrible camera angles, horrible oh, lighting. The angles were bad. The lighting was bad. Uh, the audio was bad. Yeah, and then you move on to the um, the quarterfinal. It was single cam. It's missing dives because it's only the literally the only cam there. Um, and then the the final show was um, was multi cam again. But then for whatever reason, the lighting in the Walter Pyramid is it didn't look like it normally does. It was super dim. He had all those um, bright yellow empty seats that were distracting. That was, that was a bad look, too. That yeah. was a bad look. Um, and then, you know, they had Kevin Kelly, like, do the commentary. And in order for him, for them to, you know what? I don't understand why they they had, so they lower the audio on everything so that they can mix in Kevin Kelly's commentary. But they don't do that with access, like with the access tapings. So I don't know why they had to do that here. You know what I mean? Well, even with the shows that Kevin Kelly taped over for Rotu when he did the English commentary. Right. Like they it, don't do that. Right. It's why did they have to do that here? Maybe because how it was filmed. Like, I don't know what cameras they used to film it. Um, I don't know what how they were mixing the audio. Um This is literally the worst product like production, like and I don't I don't know how long, but it was really bad actually. Like, yeah, it was bad. Like, I'm pretty sure like Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling has like better production. <laughs> it was kind of, bro, like here's the thing. I just was like, you know what? WWE would never put this out. Right. If WWE like ever taped something like this, they would never release it. And I know hidden gems. <laughs> yeah, it, bro, wouldn't even make hidden gems, bro. Their FCW stuff from, like, back in the day is, like, way better than this. Like, this is bad. Yeah. Really bad. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, that's, it is embarrassing. And you know what else, too? To have the J-Cup name attached, to, attached it, yeah. to it. That is supposed to be this really big deal. 
And then they had all these fantastic matches. Yeah. They turn around, they have all these fantastic matches, and it's presented so crappy. Honestly, like... On delay. If they knew, like, they couldn't get Access production or Ring of Honor production, they should have just did the show in Japan. Probably. And, and just, just... Probably. Yeah. That's another thing, too. While we were watching it, I was wondering, I was like, well, I guess we should probably also have a discussion about some of the, th- the stuff that's been coming up with Access over, over the past week, too. I don't know if we have that... On a rundown. Yeah, I have it in the news. But, um, you know, uh, we've, we've gotten so many questions about, like, the North American, uh, you know, the North American expansion, the Western expansion, all that. And it does make me wonder, like, what what is the goal? What are they trying to, uh, where are they trying to go with this? You know what I mean? Like, right. how does this, like, how does this further their, uh, their efforts? Because, dude, we've talked about missteps. In my opinion, this is a huge misstep because... A, the production's really bad. B, the matches are really good, but they were delayed so far that by the time we got them, they kind of almost are irrelevant. Right, and there's honestly, like, there was no way to escape spoilers. Like, if you're trying to watch Royal Quest and these destruction shows, like, you were you were going to get spoiled. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's, it, it, it's a bad look. It's a bad look, and it's, it's, a, it's another in a string of failures when it comes to the Western expansion. They, that's not to say that everything they've done has been wrong, but a lot hasn't been great. And, um, yeah, man, I, it's disappointing. Yeah. Um, so we had a question here from Reddit user uh, ablue 3 asking what are our favorite matches of the J-Cup. Um, so I did watch the whole tournament. Um, uh, one of my favorite, I loved uh, TJ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I loved TJP versus Clark Connors from the opening night. That was a really good matchup. Oh yeah, there. I saw that with you. That was pretty good. Uh, we had a question from uh, Reddit user Zach Sabertime asking. Uh, he said, "Just got done watching the first round of Super J Cup. What do you guys think of people booing TJ Perkins? I know he's an ex WWE guy, but I've got no clue why people hate him that much, or is there something I'm missing?" And we've kind of touched on this when we were talking about previewing the Super J Cup and talking about TJP. Um, TJP just, just you know, kind of rubs people on the internet the wrong way. Oh, yeah, he does. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> uh, but essentially, people think TJP is a douchebag, and plus there's been other allegations. The allegations of that, exactly what I just said, but pretty much. But nothing's been proven. Um, yeah, people just don't don't like TJP. I mean, everybody I follow on Twitter, anytime I see TJP talked about, people just don't like him. Also, you have people who you know hated the whole him dabbing and his video game obsession and kind of stuff. So, for whatever reason, pick a reason. People just don't like TJP. I didn't like him wrestling as the physical embodiment of suicide. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of his uh, many masked gimmicks in uh, TNA. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think TJP is a great wrestler. I don't know the guy personally. He could be a douchebag. He could be whatever people are saying he is. But in the ring, I think he's a great worker. Um, I love the fact that he's in this tournament. I like that um, he's getting pushed in impact. Um, I think he's a really solid guy to have on your roster. So I was happy seeing TJP in this tournament. And I love this Clark Connors match. And then obviously the main event of night one, Amazing Red versus Will Ospreay, was freaking incredible. Yeah, um, that match was great. Freaking marking now. I went 4 seven, 5 on that thing. I mean, it's just so great seeing Amazing Red in action again. Um, just, just got some memories, you know, throwback to just watching him 
in um, TNA for all those years, and he was busting out, you know, his infrareds and all his signature moves. He didn't, he was, he didn't, wasn't able to hit the uh, code red in the match, but hit all his other signature spots. And him and Osprey just had a hell of a match. So if you guys have not seen that match yet, uh, regardless of production, this thing was still great. And the, yeah, it was it's an awesome match between those two guys. Um, the match was show and um, and um. Will Ospreay. Ospreay, yeah, from the quarterfinal match, uh, showing Will Ospreay, that was another uh, really good matchup there. Um, you know, I'll tell you something. Even though it was a good match, I didn't really love that Phantasmo Dragon Lee match. I thought, uh, the, I thought, it, I thought it was a little bit underwhelming for a final. I thought so too. And then um, you had like the uh, Bullet Club interference and stuff like that. Um, another interesting thing, I'm looking at your scores. Based on what I'm seeing here from you, it looks like you weren't very impressed with Caristico in this tournament. Yeah, man. Like, Caristico, he was just kind of there. Um, I mean, a lot of his matches didn't go too long, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I was expecting a lot more from this guy. Um, I don't know if he was just kind of mailing it in because he wasn't winning the tournament or just because he's in the U.S. I don't know what it was. Like, I was expecting, like, him in the Dragon Lee match to be a lot better than what it was. How surprised were you when Show beat uh, Ishimori in the first round? I, I was surprised, but also not surprised because I don't know if you remember, I was like, isn't it weird that they're going to beat both? Because we predicted both Show and Yo to lose the first round. Like, don't you think it's weird that they're going to beat both for Punky 3K in the first round? Um, so it was surprising just how heavily pushed Ishimori is and being former champion. Uh, but at the same time, it's like you, I think they needed one of their Punky 3K guys to kind of go forward. And out of the both of them, they've kind of pushed show a little bit harder, you know, with the singles, music, and stuff like that, so. You know, I, I, I remember that we got a lot wrong when it came to the predictions here, but I just want to say the one match I remember I predicted correctly, the one match for sure, because I got you to switch your, your thinking on it. Taguchi against Jonathan Gresham. Got that geek out of here in the first round. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I for sure thought that, yeah, Gresham was going to move forward there, but yeah, Taguchi moves forward. And um, I did pretty good getting to the predicting the semi and final matches. Uh, did, I guess, you, did you have Phantasmo going that deep, or didn't you no, have Robbie? I had Eagles. I had e it being Eagles and Osprey, but I did have Dragon Lee and Caristico. Mm. Uh, mm. So pretty good. Yeah, good stuff there. Did, did when you got done with this? Did you feel like wow, that was like the Super J Cup, or did you just feel like it was a bunch of like random? I don't know. When I was watching it, it just felt like a bunch of random like junior shows. Like, just kind of discombobulated. It just, it just felt like a bunch of matches. Yeah. I mean, like, Osprey and Red, obviously, was amazing. But everything else, it's, it's going to feel, I mean, especially, like, kind of, I already knew, I already, I already spoiled. Like, I knew who was winning what and what the finals were going to be. And, yeah. How about Kevin Kelly having to call it? Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> but I freaking died on the first night. Kevin Kelly, it was during the Rocky Romero match. He was like... You know, Rocky, he has, he has a lot of traveling next. Like, in a couple of days, he has to get ready to go to the U.K. for <laughs> Royal Quest. This man had to call the show like he hadn't already called Royal Quest. Yeah, that's awesome. I was like, oh, my gosh. Consummate professional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a shout out to Kevin Kelly, though. I think he did, he did a good job. I do, too. Calling matches. I'm sure he also knew the results to everything. But it, you know what killed it was that they lowered all the audience so you could hear him, but then you couldn't hear the audience. So then it made it, it sounded it super sounded light, yeah. 
So then I don't know how hot the crowds were for most of those matches. So, um, and I think they were into it, but it was hard to tell. It's hard to tell, especially like those first two nights were like really like smaller indie crowds. Mm-hmm. So when you lower them down and you, you already, it, it already would have been hard to kind of tell. And then you lower them like that. Yeah. You, you don't know what you're getting. I don't know. Yeah. But overall, I, I definitely do think they dropped the ball big time here at the super J cup. I felt like this should have been really special and could have been a highlight of the year and a highlight for the juniors. And I, I don't think it was that. And it's like, you know, Phantasma won. They they didn't really they they couldn't really talk about it at, at Royal Quest. Well, they did. He he wore the jacket. Oh, that's right. He did. He came with the gold. So that's what I'm saying. Like if you watch Royal Quest, you got spoiled immediately. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot he did do that, didn't he? Yeah, the man came out in the gold, the Super J Cup jacket. I did like I I did like his post match antics, the stuff with uh, Liger and all that. I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty good. But, um, yeah. I don't know. It just it didn't feel afterwards. It didn't feel like he was like this. I don't know. I'm used to like. The best super juniors guy like carrying out like the trophy and it being this big deal and like it didn't it hasn't felt like that like you know yeah uh, yeah I, I felt they could have done a better job with this overall but still a few few great matches um, I mean the Osprey Amazing Red like I mentioned so many times like just that was awesome. the match of the tournament yeah match of the tournament um, you know I Do you think I, that's a junior match of the year candidate right now I think so. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of them. I, I think it barely squeaks on just because of the high quality of Dude, junior matches we've had this year. That w- I didn't like. You know, what I didn't like though. That wasn't amazing. Red to me, like that guy, <laughs> that guy that we saw wrestling had muscles and crap. Like amazing. Red doesn't have muscles. Amazing. Red wears dirty like basketball shorts and has like a giant red. You know, bandana on and like an oversized T-shirt, and he just flips around like crazy, and he's super skinny and pale, and he has like no muscle definition. That guy, that guy in there was like kind of buff. Like I didn't like that. <laughs> oh man, not not your amazing red. Not my amazing red. No. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So that he, he was really impressive. Like he not only was he having a great match, but like he was doing stuff that I was like, this guy's retiring. Why? Yeah, like literally just busting out all his, his signature spots. I mean, Incre- he was incredible. There was that like uh, moonsault DT thing that he did, um, the dive out from the, the turnbuckle to Osprey to the outside. Uh, yeah, there was just so many great spots that he did in that match and looked like he never missed a beat. And I seriously hope that he reconsiders um, his retirement. I understand he has uh, he's had neck and knee issues in the past. Uh, but if he can stay healthy, I think in today's wrestling climate, he would be a guy that all these promotions would would want on their on their TV. So, for sure, yeah. Hopefully, maybe we can get him in the uh, best of Super Juniors next year. Well, let's move on. Let's take let's talk. Let's take some questions from the listeners. Uh, listener one, you're on the air. What's on your mind? <laughs> so we have uh, you know with the board, we actually could. Uh, have people call in <laughs> really yeah yeah I'd be, oh my god i'd be so down for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, would, I, would, I would treat him like brian alvarez does dude you've got two you what's your question be, make it quick <laughs> uh, a caller i'd like to thank you for the question uh, <laughs> uh but yeah so uh question from reddit user a blue three says do you think aussie open will be in the world tag league maybe <laughs> i mean <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I mean, but every year we hope people are going to be in it, and they never are. So hopefully, 
you need a Gaijin team to replace best friends. Re- yeah, and replace Cobb and Elgin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we'll see. Um, next, we have a, a series of questions from Sir Sam. Sir Sam, why are you on? Why are you on my show right now? <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to get in your head. He's trying for to get in my head for the Ricky and Clive Invitational. Yeah. Uh, so he's, I'm talking to all this smack. I'm gonna get beat so bad. <laughs> uh, he says, "Doesn't seem like we're gonna see Moxley for a little while. When do you think he shows up next? I haven't watched Destruction. Well, Moxley will be defending that IWGP US Championship against Juice Robinson at King of Pro Wrestling. And then he says, is, "Is that before the TV deal starts or after? It's after. Okay." Um, then uh, he also says, also, how do you think they can seemingly inevitably, how can they make the seemingly inevitable Juice U.S. title run different than the last ones? I love Juice, but he seems to be the absolute bottom champ when U.S. champion. Well, I mean, I feel like if he beats uh, Mox, that would lend a lot of credibility to him, and he's taken himself so much seriously, so, so much more serious in this iteration of his, you know, career. Um I think you do with him what they should have done with Bob Holly. You put the belt on him, and then he beats everybody. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he needs some higher caliber opponents. He needs some more programs, some stories, some rivalries. He needs to go on a string of uh, successful defenses, not, not this you know flip-flop stuff that they normally do with him. He needs, like you said, he needs to do, they need to do the hardcore Holly. He just needs to be beating people, and he needs to be like he needs to be the longest reigning U.S. champion ever. And just go on a run like all year, just beat people, pulp friction, pulp friction, and um, you know, especially with all these U.S. shows that are happening, you need the U.S. champ on these U.S. shows. So get the belt back on him, have him be on these U.S. shows, beat people, and then just make the U.S. title seem important. So yeah, that's my game plan. And then he had a second part to his question said. Which cast junior is more likely to win the IWGP junior belt in 2020? Show, Yo, or Robbie Eagles? I think I would go with Show. Um, clearly, they. Um, have That's a, next year? Yeah. 2020 is next year. My life is just like breezing. <laughs> 2020 is next year? Yes. God. We're in 2019 right now. <laughs> I need to get my life in order. <laughs> um, I got I got bigger things to think about than who wins the, <laughs> the junior title. In <laughs> I got to figure this stuff out, man. Oh man! Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, I guess I'll I'll just go show. Like I I I'm inclined to say Robbie. Yeah, but I, I kind of don't. I don't know if they're gonna put the title on Robbie. I mean, they really don't push him that. Strong, like when he was in Bull Club, like team with Ishimori, he was the pin eater on that team, and he was the the pin eater here with Birds of Prey. Um, he might be the chaos guy after Will leaves, though. That's true. Actually, I'm well, gonna, I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna go Will or Robbie. Gonna, Robbie. I don't know. I, I'm gonna go Show. I feel like you know we've been seeing them trying to break both those Show and Yo out, and then Show, you know, he had his his you know his own music and. You know, kind of had some big highlight stories with like Shingo and stuff this year. So yeah, I think that we'll see a, a push of show next year. Yeah, I mean, I ultimately I appreciate the question, Sir Sam, but um, it do, my answer doesn't matter because 
whoever wins it wins it, and that's what's going to happen. I have I have no clue. Um, as as our friend uh, the captain says, I'm not the booker. Yeah, I'm not the booker. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. Stop asking us these Mark questions, here, Sam. <laughs> we're not the booker. We don't know. Uh, so now we're going to move on to news. Uh, so we have some names set for the New Japan Showdown show, the Showdown tour. Um, so we have Kota Ibushi, Jushin Thunder Liger, who will be at the San Jose event only. Juice Robinson, Kazuchika Okada, and Will Ospreay, who will both only be at San Jose. Tetsuya Naito, Evil, Sonata, Jay White, Chase Owens, Minoru Suzuki, and Lance Archer. Further talent for the card will be announced at a later date. Um, then for Fighting Spirit Unleashed, we have Rapungi 3K, Lance Archer, and the Rock and Roll Express. Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson will be making their New Japan Pro Wrestling debuts at Fighting Spirit Unleashed. I saw this meme the other day where it was like this little kid and he was like talking to his mom and he's like, Mom, can we go out and get, and then it had a picture of the Young Bucks. It's like, can we go out and get Young Bucks? She's like, no, we have Young Bucks at home. And then it's like, what you have at home? And there's a picture of the <laughs> Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, dude, you no, know. You, you have a dope shirt that says the Young Bucks, and it's, it's a, a picture, picture of the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Zach Porter who got me that shirt. Bro, you know I love that shirt. I yeah. kind of want it. <laughs> but, you know, Last week, we had all these questions asking us about the heavyweight tag division and what needs to happen. We oh, had, my God. We had some questions this oh week. Oh, my God. Well, the New Japan offices for listening, and ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the Rock and Roll Express, they're coming. They're coming to save the territory. They're coming to pop the house. They're going to be uh, – they're going to probably challenge for the tag titles. Bro, the Rock and Roll Express were teaming before we were born. I know. <laughs> and we're old. <laughs> Not that old, man. Just Just 30. I'm older than that. What, 31? That's not that old. Don't be giving away my shoot age. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, Rock and Roll Express, they're, they're coming to save the territory, save, save this tag division. Here's one thing I will say. They had that match with LAX at uh, at Spring Break, and they can still go. They were doing Canadian Destroyers and crap, so. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they've been making a lot of indie shots and have been having pretty good matches, so. Uh, I'm down for it. It, sh- it should be uh, entertaining to see who they end up going against. This should tell you something. You're talking about New Japan Showdown. That's when is Showdown? That's a California tour that they're doing. Yeah, so it's November 9th and November 11th. But then Fighting Spirit Unleashed are the Northeast shows that are coming up. When's that? That is like two weeks from now. Like the, it's the end of September. I'm like, like when you first start talking about this, like I kind of forgot this all was happening. I'm like, what's happening? What? They're going to be San Jose win? What? Like, I don't know. I'm like, is this too much? Is this too often coming to the U.S.? I think it is if you're not. I think it is. If you're not going to have the right production. Yeah. Because as of right now, we have no idea if these Fighting Spirit Unleashed or these uh, New Japan showdowns. Well, my whole thing is this. What is the point? Um. You know, what's the point? Like, are you in the business of selling out thousand-person house shows? Or are you in the business of creating content for your streaming service so that you can gain exposure and visibility? Those are two totally different things. If you want to be a local, regional, independent, like, indie, like, 
you don't have to come to America to do it, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. you, you can do that in Japan. It's You make more money, too. Like, I don't understand the costs of doing this. Like, if they're going to come here, if they're going to come to America, everything has to be tip-top, like, full in order. Like, it has... Like, you know, I mean, even if... I don't know, man. Like, you know, it at least needs to be to the same level that the, like, UK and Australia shows were. Right. At the very least. You know, people, you know, are quick to say, you know, New Japan needs to sever the Ring of Honor relationship. But if they were working with ROH, they would have production. They would have all the stuff to get their stuff looking right. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this would have been all filmed up and, you know, the Sinclair broadcasting team would have been on it and they would have had all the equipment they need and it would be looking great. Yeah, we'd be be watching those, uh, some of those early, like, um, like California shows and complaining about how the the team they were with like sucked, but like meanwhile the the camera quality was like flawless. It looked yeah. incredible. Yeah. And, and man, I'm like, man, I wish we had that team on this. <laughs> yeah. So and, you know, with the access deal up in flux, I mean, who knows if they'll be able to get any of those of any access production for any of these shows? So. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's, this stuff's obviously not airing live. Right, I mean, there's been no word of that other yet. And there's, so. there's no word of it being on Axis either. Right, so. I don't even know, bro, I don't know if I'm, if I'm New Japan, I don't know that I ever come to the States if I'm not partnering with my U.S. television rights distributor to put it on. Right. What's the point of coming to the U.S. if I, if I, if my U.S. television people can't, can't get it on the air? Right. What's the point of doing it? Right. I don't get it. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. And like, I'm sure there's people who are like in San Jose who are like, no, like, shut up. Like, I want them to come. Hey, I get it. I want them to come here too. But like, I was at that CEO show last year and it's a little different. But I remember thinking, like, what was the point of this? Yeah. Well, that's Kenny, you know. I I know it's not the same, but I'm just saying, you know, it's a similar feeling. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. It's like, this is kind of pointless. Yeah. So. We'll see what happens. But speaking of Fire Spirit Unleashed, uh, details have been confirmed for the meet and greets that will be happening before the shows in oh. Lowell, New York, and Philadelphia. Yes. So on September 27th in Lowell at 4 p.m., you will have the opportunity to meet Hiroshi Tanahashi, Sonata, Rapungi 3K, which is Shoyo and Rocky, the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky what? Morton, and Robert Gibson. If you're going to be going to New York September 28th at 4 p.m., you get the opportunity to meet Kota Ibushi, Tomohiro Ishii, Lance Archer, and referee Tiger Hattori. And then on September 29th, last day of the tour in Philadelphia, at 2 p.m., you can meet Evil and Shingo Takagi. It is uh, $25 a ticket per wrestler. Uh, for tag teams, Rapungi 3K and Rock and Roll Express, it's $50. And those you don't get a discount for it being a tag team. Like you would almost think, like hopefully, like you get like a discount, like forty bucks for the tag team. No, you're paying. You're paying the full. Tw- it's twenty five per wrestler, or you're gonna pay twenty five per wrestler when it's a tag team. It's the same thing. Well, uh, or punky through K. If you, you get all three of them, you get a little bit of diff- discount there. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, but uh, you know, rock and roll, man. They're top talent, man. You got you got to pay cash for that, man. Bro, believe it or not, like I kind of almost would. Like, I love the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so those tickets are available I don't now. Know how, I don't know how, ma- how many more, like, opportunities I would ever have to see them, you know? I right. Know. And uh, I know uh, Zach, I believe Zach Porter is going to New York and Philly, I think. So, wondering if he's going to hit up any of these meet and greets. 
Probably not. He ain't no Mark. <laughs> but yeah, the tickets for those meet and greets are available now. Also, tickets are on sale for the Showdown show in San Jose. Uh, this past week, New Japan ha- has opened up an Instagram for the NJPW shop. You can uh, find out about the NJPW merchandise on Instagram for a limited time only until Wrestle Kingdom 14. The account is at NJPW underscore shop, and it's going to be active until then. And uh, to commemorate the birth of the official merchandise account, they are offering 10% off of all orders from the Tokon Shop online store, which is now in English. On NJPW 1972, we had a column from Toa Hanare with his uh, Warriors Ray Wake, oh, excuse me, Warriors Road. I was thinking about Loki there, Warriors Way, Warriors Road column that he's been doing on NJPW 1972, kind of talking about all his travels and like they mentioned, he was over um, Thailand doing uh, Muay Thai. We also have uh, part two of Kota Ibushi's interview up on NJPW1972.com. Talking about his legendary plans, leaning more into the double title scenario. And uh, then we had some more news on the access deal. Um, so, like we mentioned last week, uh, Anthem, the parent company of Impact, bought Access TV, who was um, New Japan's U.S. partner. There have been hundreds of Access employees that were laid off, a lot of key people that Brought uh, wrestling to Access. Access used to be uh, HDNet, and um, you know that's the former home of Ring of Honor. It used to be on HDNet, um, and so um, a guy named Adam Swift, who was the uh, former vice president of Legal Affairs, uh, he grew up a big tra- tape trader of Japanese wrestling. He was one of the key guys to getting New Japan Pro ra- Wrestling on Access. Um, he's one of the uh, biggest members who lost their job during the, the sale of this. And uh, Andrew Simon, who is the CEO of Access TV Fights, he the one that greenlit the idea for New Japan in the U.S. He was also let go. And it was noted that the last quarter that ended in June marked the eighth straight quarter that New Japan's audience was up 10% or more, double-digit increases from the same quarter the previous year. And more notable because at the same time when access coverage fell from 54 million to 50 million homes and uh, New Japan's current contract with access expires in January of 2021. And all this comes from um, last week's Wrestling Observer newsletter. Yeah, so that's a lot to take in. So um, not this January, but next January. Yeah. So next January is 2021. Well, January that's coming is January 2020. And the one after that's 2021. Yeah. So we're like a little, like over a year from the year 2021. Yeah. What's happening to our lives? <laughs> 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 no, but um, in all seriousness. So, I mean, I don't know, Jeremy, what are your, th- I have, a, I had a lot of thoughts here and then you read all that stuff and now I'm just like kind of blanking. Like what, what are your thoughts on this? Because there, there've been a lot of speculations, a lot of like, uh, you know, insinuations and a lot of things that come out over the past week when it comes to this access deal with Anthem and, um, you know, the, the just the different things surrounding it. Right. It's going to be very interesting. So the, they've also, um, Impact has announced last week that after Bound for Glory, which is happening October 20th, Impact will be on access. They have not said what day, what time yet, but clearly getting, you know, Impact 
as a future program on that channel is high priority. I do think it's very weird that they've released a lot of the people who worked on New Japan, who worked on the Ring of Honor TV in the past, people who know wrestling and who have fought to get wrestling on the channel. A lot of I don't a lot of great PR people. I don't think it's weird at all. I think it's totally to be expected, to be honest with you. Like um oftentimes when large media conglomerates make deals like this, they will they come in with a lot of overhead, a lot of costs, a lot of oversights, things like that. And um, they, they already did, and they have a track record of this. When they purchased Fight TV in the past, they laid off, like, everybody. And that's a lot of times, like, different different corporations and different groups do that sort of thing. Like, they'll, they'll, they'll take an investment, they'll cut off and trim as much of the fat, any, any like, oversights, any costs that might be associated with it, no matter what much value how good that team is how much value they bring to the table and they like you said they were it's a that dallas team is incredible mm-hmm. we know firsthand we've worked with them directly and we've corresponded that with them for a while now so we know but um ultimately it's dollars and cents and from dollars and cents perspective anthem's not going to be not going to keep them around um and i it's not surprising me at all like that that that's exactly what happens in these kind of mergers and these kind of buyouts like they they, they get rid of uh, redundancies. Right. And so this is going to kind of put them in charge of what the production will look like of New Japan's show on Access. And I don't know. We still have. So we'll, ha- we'll have all of 2020 of New Japan on Access. I don't know. For a year. Yeah. So, you know, who, who knows? They could switch up, put Don Callis and Josh Matthews to call the Access shows instead of just using the Kevin Kelly feed. Um, I don't I, think they would do that. I, I that wouldn't really make a lot of sense to me for them to do that. I mean, mainly because of just this one reason. That would cost more money. Yeah, they they already have, literally, they have New Japan doing all the work for them, and he it's pre recorded, and so I don't know why they would have them send a copy of the tape that's that has no commentary, so that they can pay. To have their own guys do, do it, yeah. Do additional that doesn't. I, I understood. I understand some of the benefits that might be there because you can you could hypothetically you could promote your own product on, you know, or even whatever you want to do, whatever your intentions are. But from a money standpoint, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and there have also been a lot of rumors of potentially Impact using this as a way to kind of get New Japan to work with them and sever ties with Ring of Honor. Uh, so, I, don't, I just don't know if that's going to happen. I know Impact or New Japan is still very sour um, with Impact. What's happened with guys like Okada and Sonata and stuff like that? So, I think there's a lot of things to take into consideration when it comes to this sort of thing. Now, I'm thinking about it, one thing that's really um, concerning to me, really concerning. Did, I don't know if you heard they they got rid of their HD Net fights or the Access TV fights. Yeah, the Friday Night fights. Yeah, which was one of the the keys of the network, like one of the top things. Bro, I've, I've been watching HD Net for like over a decade, like going all the way back. Like, obviously, I'm you're you're familiar with the Ring of Honor. Yeah, I used period. to, dude. I watched Ring of Honor on HD Net every week, dude. See, I didn't, but as an MMA fan, I mean, they had they had uh, relationships with like Dream and. Um, Sengoku uh, Lord, which or not Sengoku Lord, uh, 
Sengoku Raiden Championships, which SRC, yeah, over in Japan, and um, just different, and even uh, K1 Heroes and different groups like that back in the day. So, I mean, they've they've been in the MMA fight game for, you know, almost a decade. I mean, they, they had all these different shows, and until they brought uh, New Japan to Axis, the, the highest rated shows that they had always were their weekly MMA shows, all these regional um, fight promotions here in the States, like Legacy Fighting Championships and um, Lion Fight and all these, this different stuff. And it doesn't matter how good those numbers are. They got rid of it like that. Right. Um, you know, you mentioned last week that Steve Harvey was somehow involved with raising the capital or being one of the main investors with Anthem to go in on this deal. Yeah. I really wonder if wrestling even is... I know that there's a benefit to this, obviously, because it, it's going to allow them to put their wrestling property, which they're looking to make money off of, ultimately. Right, right. But I don't, I, I don't know how much of this really has anything to do with, like, wrestling as a whole. Like, I don't know if how they see WoW and New Japan. I think it's wholly possible that they might see them as just, like, why do we need them? We already have a wrestling right. property. Like we have we have our wrestling property that we own and we're gonna push like why are we gonna push these other two properties? I have a feeling that this is way bigger than wrestling. I feel like this uh this business move to buy this network, that they have other probably strategic uh plans in place to turn the network into something else entirely different from what we're you know us as wrestling fans, we're, we're all concerned about New Japan. We're all concerned about the state of uh, of the wrestling industry. These these businessmen, these Anthem guys, I don't know if that's their aim or their goal. Or whatever. Right, yeah. Like, like, I don't know how invested into professional wrestling Steve Harvey is. You know what I'm saying? Something tells me that that's not what this uh, this move to buy, a, uh, you know, to buy a television station is really all about. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they've been they've been quick on the promotion. They're they're already running Impact commercials on Access. Uh, this Friday, they're going to be airing the uh, AAA show that happened in New York this past weekend. Uh, those AAA and Impact teaming up together in the that New York show. They're going to be airing that on Friday, 8 p.m. on Access. Uh, Lucha Brothers and LAX. That should be pretty good. But yeah, so they're already making moves. They're already getting their property out there on Access. So my my biggest concern is that. Um when when that team from Dallas was able to get uh, New Japan greenlit and brought onto this TV station, um, it was something that no other company, like no other television network at the time was would ever have been willing to do. And you just take a look at how hard it's been for, we've heard the stories over the years of how difficult professional wrestling has been to sell to different networks at different times. And even like, uh, you know, yeah the yeah the industry's hot right now and yeah there's the stuff that's going on with uh AEW and with WWE but i mean th- as great as the numbers new japan's been doing on access they're nowhere near the kinds of numbers that those major you know uh companies are doing and i think if they lose this deal it's a really hard sell to expect them to turn around and get on any other network um impact themselves couldn't do it Right. With really good production and a really good talent roster and good booking and, you know, a, a good show, a, a really good show. They, they couldn't get and, and a track record of success. 
Yeah, Don Callis and um, Scott Demore have kind of turned things around. They've been having great pay-per-views. They've had some great talent. I mean, you know, Lucha Brothers were there, LAX, um, you know, Moose, and some of those other guys that they've been pushing. Like, they've been having some great matches and great storylines. And with all that, they still haven't been able to, you know, they had a hard time getting on TV deal. So I really wonder if, if New Japan does, if they lose this deal, like if they just let them run out and it goes to 2021 and they're not renewed, I don't know where they go. To be honest, yeah. I, I don't think there's enough time for them to gain enough buzz. I don't think there's enough time for them to run enough of these little regional shows that they're running to turn around and be able to parlay that into some sort of television deal of any sort. So right. I, I'm hoping I'm hoping like beyond hope that there's a way to where this all ends up working out to where maybe they get put into a block situation and you know, wrestling does become a focal point of this. Yeah, of they, this they create like a wrestling block with Impact, New Japan, and WoW. That would be fantastic. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know because I mean, I I think I, if you if you wanted my bet right now, I think New Japan's gonna lose their TV deal. Yeah, and that's that's my feeling. And that's not gonna be good for Western expansion, and it's not gonna be good for all these these shows that they keep doing because they cannot have that horrible production that they had for Super J Cup. I'm, I think my biggest concern is just that team's gone. Yeah. That Dallas team is gone, and so what happens after that, you know? Yeah. And will, will a big show like the G1 ever come back? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, very interesting stuff. Obviously, there's more on the story in the Wrestling Observer newsletter. You can check that out. Um, in other Japan news, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, is going to be running Cork and Hall on January 4th and January 5th. Uh, January 4th show will be happening at 6.30, which will be going head-to-head with the Tokyo Dome show, New Japan. And then on January 5th, the show will be at 11.30, um, which will be before the New Japan show, which won't start until 4. So it was a great chance for them to bring in a lot of foreign fans and kind of draw a good house on that uh, January 5th date. And I, I've seen comments from Noah saying a, a new war is starting. What do you what do you think about Noah running these dates and maybe trying to somehow get in a wrestling war? With who? New Japan. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on. Be serious. Come on. No. Well, what do you think about them running Corkin these same days at the Dome? I think that's great for them. I think it's great for them, but, you know, that they're late to the game. Everybody's running Cork and, and running big shows in Tokyo during, uh, you know, Tokyo Dome weekend. I mean, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think there's any – I don't even think there's a story here. I think it's good for Noah. You know, they just had that big uh, – they, they, uh, they just rebranded the Global League. They're calling it, what, the V1 or the W1 victory? Did you the, see that? The, uh, the N1? The N1 victory, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole Global League, and uh, so that's their version of the G1. And um, that's you know, and I heard it was really successful. And I, there's good stuff that's going on in Noah, but I mean, you know, they almost died. Like, no, it's there's no war. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty ridiculous when I saw those comments about a, a wrestling wars coming or whatever they said. So. That's cool. I mean, that gets people interested and people hyped, and you know, brand loyalty and all that is pretty important, you know, to uh, per Rezu. So I mean, that's cool. I I, I like Noah. I like I've always liked Noah, but um, I don't know a wrestling war. Come on, yeah. 
And then uh, last thing here, Genchish, uh, yeah, can't pronounce his first name. Genchichiro Tenryu. Tenryu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tenryu. Um, you know, Hall of Famer and you know, legend in Japanese wrestling has suffered a loss of more skills and balance due to a cerebral infraction, uh, which came after the effects of a stroke. Uh, so you know, Tenryu, just a you know, a wrestling legend in Japan. Thought I'd just mention and that and just kind of keeping him in your uh, thoughts and prayers as uh, he's going through some health issues. Uh, and now it's time for the uh, recommended match of the week. So it's my turn for the recommended match. And since we are on the road to King of Pro Wrestling, I thought I'd go back to one of my favorite King of Pro Wrestling matches. And this comes from King of Pro Wrestling 2017. Tetsuya Naito versus Tomohiro Ishii. Tetsuya Naito defending his uh, G1 briefcase against the Stone Pitbull in what was a hell of a matchup. Uh, 4.75 rated from the Wrestling Observer. Uh, one of the best matches of that year. Uh, you, you all already know how Naito and Ishii get down when they wrestle each other. And uh, overall, just a really great, hard-hitting, strong-style match that uh, I really enjoyed. So check that out. Hopefully that kind of gets you ready for King of Pro Wrestling uh, coming up next month. And, uh, yeah, that's my pick. So uh, next week we'll be back with a review of Destruction in Kobe. And we will be having on the winner of our G1 Climax Pick'em Contest. Reddit user, why did you do that, bro? We'll be here at the dojo uh, to watch Destruction and Kobe with us and to come on the podcast and to review the show. So it uh, should be a fun one. Any any comments on that? I'm stoked. <laughs> Clearly excited. Uh, next week, uh, I, didn't, I didn't feel a good natural like place to come in and like. Like, you were doing such a good job. I was just going to let you do it. <laughs> like, I have full faith in you. Oh, yeah. Like I mentioned, yeah, we'll be doing that next week with Why Did You Do That, Bro? Reviewing Destruction in Kobe and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Make sure you connect with us on social media, on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. The show is at KI Strong Style. Also follow us at Social Suplex on Facebook. We are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can find us in the Wrestling Square Circle Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Square Circle. On Reddit, I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at Social Suplex.com. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Nation Radio hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. Of course, here on Tuesdays, you have us keeping it strong style. On Wednesdays, you have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. Every other Wednesday, you have our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling. Grown men watch this shit. Hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. On uh, Fridays, we have Get in the Ring with Danny and Beast Mike. And on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr., Amy O., and Tiffany. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and review. We'll catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.